Wiki wiki, my wig wax. Welcome back to another episode of Creative Writing. This is episode number 161. That's right. Did you read the notes or are you just guessing? No, I remembered because I messed up last week. Yeah, that's right. And this week on our show, we have a bunch of cool stuff happening, uh, supposedly, because we've got a, a cool call-in guest. Um, we got a little bit of news. Um, I gave Wiggins a topic. I said, pick one of five things, so I hope I get to see what you picked. <laughs> I give you some suggestions, and I, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm going to let you run with this segment. Wait, I did What? Didn't I? I texted you. This is, this is a... You te- but I didn't know I was supposed to pick one of those oh, and man. talk about them. Oh, this is the text said. Happy, hey, you said, this is Friday. Happy Lunar New Year to everybody out there that celebrates the Lunar New Year's. Now, Wiggins, you oh, ruined this whole show. No, you said the, I literally, I will read it word for word. The available topics are, or, or word for word would be, the available topics for this week's show are going to be. Oh, I didn't go, I didn't read all the way to the bottom. Welcome to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Introducing your hosts. This is my dad, Junkie Toad Man. <laughs> Co-host Chris, what else do I need to know? All right, well, that's your bad mofo from uh, Indiana. For sure. I could ask my grandpa, he wouldn't remember. You get to, you get to do it. That's... I'm going to forget to talk like a pirate, and you're going to say that I lose. Listen. <laughs> Think about these and be creative. I know you're going to come up with something funny. Okay. I still didn't know that meant like pick one. Yeah. I mean, I thought we would talk about, I, I can definitely cover a lot of the stuff, All right. but I didn't know you wanted me to pick one subject and talk about it. Well, welcome to episode 161, the episode that Wiggins ruined <laughs> on this show. It's not uh, the only one I've ruined. <laughs> well, one of the ones. So we got a couple cool things and we have a guest hanging out in the wings and uh, it's actually part of our news. First off, and I'm going to include our guest in this. What have you been up to this week, Wigs? Anything cool motorcycle related? Trying to get ready for the one show in Flat Out Friday. Nice. I know those are coming up here like in a week. Yeah, I leave next week. Yeah. And I'm driving, so. You're driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy because <laughs> I'm trying to get a bike ready, which it doesn't need too much besides a good old-fashioned cleaning, and it should get an oil change, but it might not. Yeah. And uh, and I'm trying to get some knives done because I'm selling it. Mama tried. Nice. Um, I... Been changing oil like a madman. I went through uh, seven gallons of oil. Yeah, I should have just brought trusty Rusty over dude, here, dude. Dude, I'm in. I'm in the oil changing mood, and um, so yeah, I changed the oil on my car, uh, on all the bikes, and even on uh, my plant outside. And uh, guest on the line, Is we it have the plant that I was peeing. Yeah, okay. I know. I, I wrung it out, and I was like, "Yeah, oh, this thing smells like uh, Wiggins." Um, we have a guest on tonight's show too. Our guest tonight is uh, a cord. What, what am I looking for? Our, she's like the chairperson the of world uh, famous. Oh, she's very world famous, and uh, it's Jazz Hands Miller. Jazz Hands, welcome to the show. Did you do anything motorcycle related this week? I want to know how you know what Wiggins' piss smells like. Well, he pees in this. He pees in my backyard once a week. How can I not know what he smells like? Every time we finish the show, I gotta go, dude. I wrestle with the kids out in the yard, and when they shove my face in the dirt, I'm like, oh, Wiggins was here. I eat asparagus all the time. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, no, I did. Um, last weekend, we did a pre-run of our moto food tour. You know, our motto is live to ride, ride to eat. I, I like that. That's yeah. good. Are you, mm-hmm. And then, uh, and you guys also did a naked ride. I did one here in honor because if you don't know, Jazz Hands Miller is the host and presenter and creator and founder of the uh, 
Motorcycles and Misfits podcast coming to you from sunny Santa Cruz and the Recycle Garage up there. And every year they do this thing called the Naked Ride. I haven't made it up to one yet, but I did it. Uh, you guys were talking about it, and you and I talked last week, so you reminded me about it. And so I did a little, uh, con- what, what am I saying, like a, um, a consolation ride for myself since I couldn't make it all the way up there with you guys. And I rode around here, and when I pulled back in the driveway, my wife was like, oh, did you find like a wren's nest with a little acorn in it? So I was very upset with that. It was, it was a lot colder than I thought, I guess. But um, I listened to your guys' show this week, and it sounds like the naked ride went off with mostly without a hitch. And <laughs> Yeah, only one person's clothes didn't make it yeah, to the destination. That's, that's not too bad. So uh, it's happened before. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you can't be naked, Jim, if you're not naked. Well, he's <laughs> he's always naked. Jim. When he has clothes on, is when he's different. Um. So hey, tonight on the show we got a few news items. Guest, you're going to have to uh, sit in with us on these and give us your opinion as well. Uh, I've got the first three things that I pulled off some business jobbers that come through, um, and I noticed that uh, I actually heard this on the. Uh, uh, we'll, uh, what was it, what's the podcast I'm looking for? Front End Chatter out of Britain. They were talking about this today. Ducati. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of sales. You know, the Q4 sales have come in. Everybody analyzes them in, in January and this and that. So the, the sales information has come in. There's a lot of stuff about um, Harley in there that I'll just ignore because last year we just bashed on like every other week because there was a story about him every other week. This year we'll make it about Ducati. And Ducati sales were down 5% over last year with American figures, if you just isolate America by itself, dropping 11%. That's wow. bad, yeah. So 5% worldwide, just the American market, 11% over last year. That's bad, right? But 9,700 Panigale models were sold last year, which is good, right? Of the V4? No, just Panigale. Uh, okay. But the V4 kicked off this trend, and the V4 was a significant part. I forget um, exactly how many V4s were sold, but it was a pretty, it was a pretty good number. Um, oh, the Panigale V4R made up 6,100 of those bikes of the 9,000 sold. Well, that's so, good, like, because what's the price tag on that thing? Dude, it's, it's not close cheap. to like 60? Uh, I think it's like 40 or something like that. I thought the old 10. 10- 99 or 1199R was 40 something. Yeah, I don't think they're like I don't think they're outlandishly crazy. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, usually when they put an R like I remember it around that time that when I think it was the 1199R came out Everyone was like, you could buy a Desmo Sedici. Yeah, you could. <laughs> or you could buy this that's just as capable. You could buy a house in Iowa, yeah. Um, I think they probably people have learned in this economy what's going on. So uh, this is crazy because that means that they out, it made, uh, according to 2018 sales numbers, one in every four superbikes globally is a Ducati now. Um, they took over, uh, according, I, I read this on Asphalt and Rubber and wow. then heard it again on uh, Front End Chatter, 26% share in the global superbike market. Now, superbikes being like a fared one, you know, 950cc or I mean, bigger, right? But that, they took over from like the R1, good. the CBR. That's like, real good, yeah. though. Because the big four, I mean, they all have really capable leader bikes. And I mean, yeah. wow. I mean, over... 20, I mean, one-fifth of that market, you know, because the big four plus one, you would think is really good. But to have a quarter of that market yeah. against the four Japanese yeah. companies, that's pretty good. Yeah, and I have a feeling it's because but, last year Yamaha was really pushing those MTs. Do you remember that? And in 2017, yeah. they redesigned the, the FZ, went MT, and they're, they've been pushing those And honestly, hard. I think the base model duck is 
pretty price competitive too. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are probably like, oh, let me spend another thousand or whatever it is over a CBR to mm-hmm. get a Ducati. And the more I looked at sales numbers last year, I realized how niche not only some manufacturers, but then a segment of that man like KTM, nobody buys their, you know, street bikes. If you look at their oh, uh, yeah. they're buying like tigers and they're buying, you know, they're buying the Adventure Duke, you yeah. know, and all that stuff. And so it it didn't I wonder what percentage of the I don't know what you would call it, but the naked bike Ducati has. Yeah. Probably very small because if you think a naked bike, you're probably thinking like the MTs are a huge seller. And That's even true. even yeah. the CB I was thinking like perform like, you know, that and the Duke. Because yeah. they pretty well started that yeah. in a way started the naked bike category with well, the Monster. Actually the Monster and the Triumph Street Triple started the uh, like naked street fighter thing, right? Um so yeah, Ducati, big big ups for them for for a already kind of niche company. I mean them and BMW sell so few bikes. Uh, I think Indian sells more than uh, Ducati and BMW, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, second thing in the news was the Mongols MC. This has uh, been brought up to me a couple times, included by, including by Miss Creative Writing. Um, she sent me a article a while ago, and then here and there I've been seeing it pop up. And what happened was December, uh, there was a pending case against the Mongols regarding racketeering charges, you know. And this week, a jury decided that the crimes for which they were charged with fit the punishment. And the crimes being murder or alleged murder, assault, racketeering. And the punishment was going to be for them to forfeit all their logo and intellectual properties. And so they had tried to do this before. For like 10 years, the uh, attorneys have been trying to get governmental control over club logos. And I noticed that um, I read this thing about about a decade ago that Hell's Angels like trademarked and copyrighted their stuff right away when they heard this was going to happen. the Mongols happen. did too. So it's- The Mongols didn't and like the uh, Banditos didn't. And, mm. as, and the Banditos was another one uh, cool. that I think saw the writing on the wall and decided they needed to go down and actually file with the Tra- uh, copyright and maybe the mongols did copyright their stuff because i think so because from what i've heard that's one of the big deals about this because it doesn't matter how you feel about the mongols or what they have done it becomes like a a, a like kind of in a way a free speech mm-hmm. yes. issue that's it, exactly it the big thing and yeah. it's like if they can just take that off then what stops them from taking off you know, yeah. lots of that stuff. And, and and the big part of the thing with the RICO stuff, which is racketeer-influenced criminal organization, that's like what the biker law, biker gangs have been classified as. Um, the, the government at first was like, you know, we can go, we can copyright this stuff. They won't be able to use it. Like if we see them riding, we can pull them over and get them for copyright infringement. And I think all the clubs went and copyrighted their stuff really quick because they never thought of that. You know, in the 70s, you draw a little thing on your – vest and then you ride around with that forever right yeah and as soon as like people started to see hey there's no licensing or copyright on this we can go own it even though they have been using it for a long time and the clubs heard about it and and a lot of them copyrighted their stuff so now the uh they just got granted the chance the government did the chance to strip that copyright and uh, trademarked um identification stuff away which would basically mean um, that they would own the logo and the guys would, they could pull them over whenever they saw a logo riding down the freeway. And basically what they're trying to do by that is to just get it so the club can't wear their stuff anymore. And you know, like Liza, if somebody took recycle garage away, you starting over is almost like a weird thing because you've been recycled garage for how long now? You know what I'm saying? 
Right. And then so the motorcycle clubs, even since the 70s, you know, like even further back, 40, some 50 years, you know, you're taking away not just – it's not just as easy as starting over, I guess, is what they're saying. But 10 years ago, uh, the judge in the case said – um, the plaintiffs, this is a quote from an LA Times article, the plaintiff's hardship in not being able to express his views and public interest in protecting speech outweighs the gov- government interest in suppressing an intimidating symbol. So the the free speech thing that you were talking about, free speech has precedent over everything. It's part of our constitution. Right. So you can't just take away someone's, say, oh, this is too intimidating and we want to take that symbol away because this criminal organization uses it. The, the Where's that judge at on the second one? Well, here's the thing: it, the jury decided that they should be able to. It, the jury, the jury decision sets a precedent, but they haven't signed it into law yet. It hasn't officially been signed because they're they're waiting. They're like, we know this is going to be coming. Yeah. And the uh, the Mongols attorney has said it'll be a cold day in hell when they sign away first agreement, first amendment rights. Right. So they're not. It's not over yet. The jury just said, yeah, we see that you could um, – like, yeah, we, th- we agree that you should be able to strip these trademark rights and finally start the ball rolling on this, getting the club's colors and logos away from them. That's kind of – it is kind of weird because I don't agree with MCs either that are like one percenters or gang. You know, I don't agree with criminal, um, with criminal activity. But the thing is, is like you can't just go in and take someone's – Identity. Yeah. You're, well, the government's committing identity theft at that point. You know. And the thing is, too, I know this is a motorcycle podcast, but to imply some of my views, but most of our listeners are in Wisconsin, so they probably agree. The problem is, where do you stop? That's yeah. what I was going to say. So you know, because I'm a gun rights advocate, where do you stop? Like I, I will 100 percent say that I, I think a bump stop is stupid. It doesn't do anything, right? It, it's to go to the range and empty a magazine as fast as possible. You can't hit anything. Um, so they, you know, like they just took that away and made it illegal. So the problem I had though is again, where do you stop? And of course, it wasn't like two days later, and they're trying to get something else. And that's yeah. going to be the problem with speech. If you let this go. You know, the first 10 amendments in the Constitution are the first 10, are the Bill of Rights for a reason. And if you let that go, then what's next? Because, I mean, if you guys haven't figured this out yet, our politicians, I don't know if they're bored or what their deal is, but they can't, like, say, oh, that's good enough. Let's leave it alone. Yeah, Yeah, but, Chris, you can look at it the other way here, too, because have you ever been to an event where they say um, no patches allowed? But that's well. Here, yeah, my point for is, sure. you go to an event, no patches loud. It doesn't mean if you're an outlaw club or just you know a bunch of friends who wear patches. Right. They did it across the board. Now they're saying, you know what? We're just recognizing that these these guys are mm-hmm. the ones we're targeting. Mm-hmm. We're leaving all you fuckers alone. So there is something to be said. Yeah, you're talking about free speech or whatever it is. Um, you know the rights that you have, but. Also, but at least we're not all being lumped together in this case. Yeah. And maybe that's just a different approach that might be a better approach. But then, for sure. But then down the line, who knows? You know, for whatever reason, I, yeah, I get it. It's the one thing, though, that uh, if well, you're going to, it's kind of like the ACLU, where if you're going to protect, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want, you never want like the bad guys to win. But if you're going to protect the good guys, the bad guys operating under the yeah. good guys laws deserve the same protections. I agree that I don't think stripping them of their logo uh, has anything to do with murder and racketeering, except for like, you know, 
Yeah. Was it Super Troopers where you saw like the, uh, I forget what sticker was on the The, the little thing. monkey with the yeah, banana? Yeah, that's what it was. The Mr. Chompy. Johnny banana. Chimpo. Yeah. You see a Johnny Chimpo, you know there's going to be heroin or weed or whatever inside of it. So, I mean, if you see a Mongol thing and you assume that you're going to like, hey, we're going to get some coke in this or some heroin or something, then that's a different thing. But, I mean, even that, it could be a, a rainbow sticker. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying that like, yeah, yeah once you... Once you target one group, it opens – you're not – the law doesn't say that group. It says this. And Liza you know. brings a good point because back to the second one, there are stipulations to that, you know, criminal record and things like that. So, you know, that – it is kind of okay to look at, hey, this might be a problem. So, it, you know, I definitely see like that side of it too. Mm-hmm. So it's – Well, plus, you know, the Mongols do do – Good stuff like toy runs and charity. Doo-doo. The Mongols do do. Um, <laughs> everyone do do's. Everyone do do's. There's a book called that, right? Right. So, I mean, supposedly the the toy drives and stuff that they uh, host, not that they do do, that they host uh, <laughs> in order to uh, keep the the at least ninety eight percent right of the organization crime free. <laughs> um, they or or the, I guess it's, it's the other way around. It's to keep the one percent legitimate because um, the other ninety nine is like a racketeering business. Then they're trying to say that that you know you can't strip us of that. We still do you know good stuff with it, and it's just a logo. But anyway, I think it's interesting, and I'm I'm interested to see where this stuff falls because uh, criminal organizations exist. Hell, Enron. <laughs> you know, like you can't. We saw somebody walking around with the Enron jacket. Um, nowadays you might go beat them up, but you know, 20 years ago you're like, Oh great. You work at one of the greatest companies in the world. It's like swindling, you know, it, it, what kind of gang are you looking at? Are you just looking at them? Cause they're a scuzzy motorcycle gang. Like you should be treating every racketeering organization the same in, in my opinion. And so I, I kind of, I'm on the side, not on the side, you know, for me, it's a, uh, I'm, I'm, I seem wishy-washy, but it's only because I feel like everybody should have first amendment rights, even if. Their criminal organization prosecute them and punish them for the stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the logos. It's kind of weird. Um, speaking of a, an organization that has one of the largest writing groups in the world is Harley. The Harley owner group is one of the biggest legit MCs in the world. But Harley is not facing anything under uh, copyright infringement or anything like that. They are looking actually for uh, an EV talent. If you go to their website and go to the careers or search careers, it'll pop up. They've been looking for, um, before the Livewire even was announced, before this whole new like ride freer with all their new bikes was announced uh, last year, they had already been looking for a lot of EV, excuse me, a lot of EV and um, electrical specialists to work there. And I had searched the careers like about a year ago and uh, saw all the stuff they were looking for back in Milwaukee. Well, now they're looking for it in NoCal because you know, NorCal, not NoCal. You guys aren't like, we're SoCal, you're NoCal, bro. <laughs> but, Liza, are you, did oh, you hang up on man. me? <laughs> no, I'm okay. letting you rattle on. Okay. Um, so in NorCal, they're setting up a uh, an R&D facility. It made the news about, I don't know, six months ago should go uh, to do their whole R&D for their electric stuff that they're rolling out. And they've got a lot of cool stuff from bikes to scooters to the live wire, but they're finally building a whole uh, actual facility and a campus there to 
further that like they're they're taking it seriously they're building a basically like a york pa or what was their other um kansas city plant you know they're building the ev one here up in silicon valley because that's where every ev company basically starts here in california so they're actually looking for talent they're recruiting right now for vehicle r&d and battery system specialists and Anybody like that. So if you're like a nerd or if you have a degree in mechanical, electrical engineering or electroshock therapy or whatever you have, uh, check out Harley-Davidson's site. You could actually go and work there and then go on Liza's podcast and talk about how great it is to live up in uh, NorCal where it's like even more expensive than down here. But at least you're doing something cool. And I mean, you're helping an American brand that's been around for a hundred and... 15 years now um yeah, yeah 115. 115 yeah you're helping them continue on into the next generation and into the next century and it's coming fast like it's really coming um electric and 3d printing is like the next wave of manufacturing period whether it's cars or motorcycles or hell even podcasts let's face it uh, are we not are we not even going to mention what they did to alter here we can actually um, because because you're talking about this and we're still a little sore mm-hmm. up here mm-hmm. in the industry about how it went down. Preach it, sister. Tell it to Milwaukee right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, without having any of the details yet, <clears throat> but knowing that um, the details will come out someday. We can only speculate. So that's all this is is speculating. And all I can say is it's mighty suspicious that they partner with Alta, make a deal with them, get access to all of their uh, their tech. Then they give them the boot, say no deal, put Alta out of business because Alta was relying on that deal to continue with their production. And then they announced that they're going to move into the area that Alta was and open up a shop. Yeah, it is a little suspicious. And does it remind you of the Harley, or no, I'm sorry, the Eric Buell and Hero? That Remember that deal where well, Buell partnered with Hero and then all of a sudden Hero took a bunch of intellectual properties and said, uh, later Buell? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's other precedents too. Um, this has happened, but we can also look at Harley Davidson and Omission. Uh, was that the original? Uh, yeah, the EV other co- the other company they put out of business. They're just swallowing them up. Yeah. So um, and Buell and luckily MV Agusta they they sold off before uh, right before they actually folded them. Here's the thing: all of the electric mo- uh, motorcycle companies that are existing now or came before, they're all trying to. They're all trying to forge a path and to further along this whole industry of electric motorcycles. Harley keeps coming in and taking what they've done and just trying to turn it into profit. And to me, it just gives me a bad, bad feeling how they've, how they've gone about doing it. That's all. When everyone else is putting in their time and forging the path, because as we all know, electric is the future. Wow. It's definitely going to happen, and it is a bummer. You know, I'm looking at like the new Street Fighter and the new ADV bikes they're coming out with, and all I'm thinking is, if you want to do them right, you guys probably still have Eric Buell's number. But it, kind of the same token, previous to to electric, like doing that to Eric Buell, Eric Buell, almost not maybe not intentional, but looking at profits over product. You know, I, I get that Buell wasn't our, as our progress. 
profits over progress. There you go. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's happening here. And but on the other hand, I mean, Harley Davidson is an American institution, and I think we all have that pride. You know, Harley Davidson, we want to see him survive. It is our heritage. It is our culture. Even if we don't ride Harleys, it is still a piece of us. Yeah. We want to see them uh, survive. And and on the other hand, I like that they are making moves that are going against what you would expect, and they are they are creating a path for success in the future if they do it right, but they're not doing it right is my, is my issue. I agree. And I'm, I'm kind of like the old school, like buy American made type person too. So to see them partner with a company like Ulta and then kind of dump them, it's a bummer just because it's, I don't know. Ulta was just one of the companies spearheading the development and really pushing for it. And it could have been so good for Ulta, but also good for Harley. And I kind of feel like in a way they didn't even really give them a chance. Like it, it happens so fast where it's like electric motorcycles aren't going to happen overnight as far as what Harley wants to see sales numbers. Like to me, they're taking a risk in a company that to me right now is scared to take risk. At least a lot of the people I know there. Um, and it, so it's amazing to see that, like I'm with, especially like the little, basically the bicycles. So to, you know, like take the risk, but you, you've got to give it a chance too at the same time. And to see them, you know, Ulta being such a leader in that industry and then kind of just get rid of them is, is definitely a bummer for sure. Yeah. You know, back in everybody, everybody, Porsche, Jeep, Land Rover, Yamaha, BMW, Ducati, um, KTM, they've all come out with electric bicycles and it's just now that the electric thing's catching on that Harley is finally coming out yeah. with that one and it looks bitching. It looked fun. I saw, I watched like a YouTube video of this guy. Does it shredding. have a regular bicycle crank and stuff it, on it? Or? It looked like it did. This guy yeah. was riding it through the snow. It looks just yeah. like a pedal assist, uh, you know, electric bike. I think and one of the hard things with that is coming for me, coming from the bicycle industry, so much stuff in that industry is universal and the motorcycle industry is opposite, mm-hmm. right? Like if, if the motorcycle industry and the bicycle industry were the same, like you could take wheels off a CBR and put on a Kawasaki and put on a Suzuki and really like put on a Harley, as long as it was like kind of a similar type bike. Um, and the motorcycle industry is not. And I wonder if, if kind of getting together with the industry and making some stuff universal, if that would help or hurt, what they're doing. And you know, these, these companies that you just listed that are making electric bicycles, they're also competing against companies like Trek and Cannondale and stuff like real legit bicycle companies who have this stuff out. So it's, it'll be interesting to see. And it's just funny to me that they've, they've been doing that for years now. And like, I think kind of like Liza saying, Harley Davidson, just like everything else takes their time to get into a particular, when they see the writing on the wall, then they get into the market. I feel like this is something that they got into kind of before everyone else. The electric stuff? Yeah. No, I mean, Bramo and Lightning have been around since 2006. Let me rephrase that. And Zero was Compared to any other major player in the game. Major player, yeah. I mean, Honda's had electric stuff for a while, but But nothing's to the market yet. Exactly, nothing's to the market. And they're the ones that came out with it and then kind of toured the country and said, we want everyone to ride it. Yeah, that was 2014. And Honda still had the Mugen Shinden in 2007. And Honda's Honda's still not talking about them or releasing them too. Yeah. So it's... You know, and we all, I think we all know that 
to a point, a lot of that kind of innovation and pushing, not necessarily innovation, but pushing for kind of a new product, you know, really electric vehicles, electric motorcycles, that big initial push, it's going to come from small companies, you mm-hmm. know, like Lightning and Bramo and Alta. But so that's what I mean by, to me, Harley in a way is leading the way with that because they're one of the For major OEMs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's, it's cool to see for major on OEMs that, on that side for major OEMs distributed in the U S and Europe. Yes. Cause in China yeah. there's already been in Japan, a ton of electric stuff. Japan is so crazy about electric yeah. vehicles that they've had stuff going on for decades now, but right. And it's also mostly car stuff, right? Mo- what, yeah. I mean, mostly cars, little, those little Things that businessmen go yeah, around yeah, town, little like hoverboards, little and crazy stuff, stuff. Yeah. in Asia. That stuff's huge, but we're not talking about that market. Yeah, that's a unique market that we could have a whole entire podcast about. Um, yeah, for Europe and America, and what we think of as like the nations that buy the major, mm-hmm. the big four um, or five, they yeah, they're they're definitely the major players coming out first and that's what i think is funny that honda's had the mugen since 2007 bramo has already gone out of business and got bought up you know by victory and or polaris and then you know lightning's been around since 2006 all these things that have been around and they just haven't caught on and i just feel like and even zero zero i remember when they were basically a mountain bike with uh foot bags, you know, and uh, the, the look like a mountain bike though, but they were calling themselves an electric motorcycle even way back then. They've been around for quite a while and I can't believe it hasn't caught on yet, but with everything going um, electric in Europe, it will. And that's what I think Harley Davidson finally stepping up to the plate and finally submitting, you know, looking, recruiting for a, an R&D facility is saying, hey, look, we, we're going to make this happen. More people are going to do it. Uh, are you are you done yammering yet? I'm almost done yammering. Uh, thing I wanted to say is that EV and uh, and 3D printing is coming to a head, and I think that's the future of motorcycling. Last bit of news that I have here to yammer on about is a German company called Big Rep, and they showed this is submitted to us by field producer Bry Viffer. He's uh, showed they showed a prototype that showcases the versatility of 3D printing, which is also called additive manufacturing because. Uh, Millennials need to call everything something special, and it's uh, it's electric and it uses uh, special suspension, even airless tires. Everything on it except the motor is three D printed, and it's in a large format, which is FFF. I guess is like when you're three D printing, that's like the large. It's like a bra size. Triple F is like huge, right? So large format three D printing. It looks really futuristic, super homely, um, but. It's just a prototype to show you that they're like stepping into the green future. So out of Germany, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to see BMW have something electric. We've already seen Ural, for Pete's sake, coming out of you know the uh, Russian Federation having an uh, electric bike. So here's some crazy company called Big Rep that's showing us their futuristic view of like what motorcycles will look like. Looks terrible. Maybe if uh, I can get that picture from Bri Viffer, I'll post it up on our uh, blog. And the last bit of news that I have, according to Motorcycle News, MCN, there's a Facebook group that's attempting to unite women riders around the globe. And this event created by Haley Bell already has over 13,500 women signed up and is kicking off with two events in the UK. One 
at uh, the Ace Cafe in London and one at some Speedway. And here to tell us all about that is the ride coordinator, uh, chairman of the board herself, Jazz Hands Miller. Uh, Jazz Hands, (laughs) what can you tell us about the WRWR? First off, what does WRWR stand for? It's for Women Riders World Relay. That's a mouthful. I like WRWR better. I call it Werwer. Werwer, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and so how did Werwer start? It looks like it's a Facebook group that just kind of caught on or it got people's attention. Yeah. So, yeah, it's correct. Haley Bell had this idea. She was kind of fed up with, um, as a woman rider, first of all, like uh, the selection of gear, um, but also just how women are treated. So many, so many different reasons. And <clears throat> she, she wanted to do, do something that would bring attention to the industry that women writers exist. And she came up with this harebrained crazy idea to do an around the world relay ride. And it got announced and a bunch of people started jumping on saying, Hey, this is cool. I'm all, I'm in. And at some point I got dragged into this thing and now <laughs> it has taken over my life because what went from being her crazy harebrained idea, we are actually doing and it's kicking off, uh, February 27th. Rad. I mean, that sounds pretty awesome that it started out as a harebrained idea. As Wiggins has said before, sometimes the worst ideas are really the best ones, right? It's all bad ideas. And then when it comes to fruition, it's amazing to see you're having your own little baby, Liza. You're finally having a, a gross baby, and it turns out it's a beautiful unite. It, just like a regular baby, <laughs> a regular human baby, it unites uh, people sometimes across the globe. So tell us a little bit about it. It's kicking off. Uh, when? What's the date, and where's the start point? So it's kicking off from John O'Groats, Scotland, on uh, February 27th. Now, if you're familiar at all with the top of Scotland Isn't and what really weather is like around? in February, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's pretty going to be awesome. It's going to be miserable. Wear two kilts if you're up there. And John O'Groats, that's the very farthest you can go north in the UK, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Wow. This, so- this, is, this is basically, this whole ride is going to start out like a tough mutter. <laughs> right. Nice. And the the thing about this a lot of people think that this is a rally or a, you know, a ride. It's not. We're actually setting out to show the world, like, not only do we exist, but, hey, we're kind of badasses, too. Um, so just in the first UK part, like I said, they're wait, starting out. Wait, 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 out- wait, wait, wait. And you're part of this? Yeah. Oh, wait till you hear what I got planned. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, just, you know, my involvement is... I actually, um, working with some other women, came up with the entire world route. And I will be honest, there were countries I have never heard of before. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. We are going through. I'm like, wow. I had to look them up on maps to find out what continent they were on. But I'm I'm getting pretty good at that now. Um, So, yeah, just starting out in the UK, um, we're going to be riding down there. And by we, I mean not me. But other women. All right. Um, are, you gonna, is, are you going to be over there at all? Well, yes, I am. Actually, I'm excited. Nice. Uh, it's starting out at the top of Scotland. It's going to go through Ireland and um, Wales, Scotland, uh, and then back to uh, London, where it's going to come into the Ace Cafe. And we are having an event at the Ace Cafe that I will be attending. Nice. Is that like a cool cafe or something? <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
we're going there for the cappuccino, man. Oh, cool. Listen, Wiggs is a dad now. He's allowed to make a dad joke once in a while. <laughs> so, yeah, March 9th, we're actually going to be going to the Ace Cafe. And <clears throat> we're going to have some really rad uh, speakers, you know, like Elspeth Beard, uh, Jenny right. Tinmouth. Um, and we're talking Ace Cafe London, the original, like the home of the, the Ton Up Boys. Cafe. Right, the home <laughs> exactly. of the Ton Up Movement birth, and the Rockers. Birth and, of the Cafe Racer. Yeah, basically. And then uh, the next day we're going out to Sittingbourne Speedway. It's outside of London. Nice. And they've actually arranged to get Speedway bikes and to get us instruction and, and lessons on how to ride Speedway. Oh, man. Um, now, the best instruction is everything you know is wrong. <laughs> exactly. Now, Wiggins, I know you do flat track and Speedways like it. It's a little bit different in that there's uh, no oh. gears and no brakes. Oh, no. I have a 500 Jawa that I did before ah. flat track. Yeah, he 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 did speedway before yeah. right before he got into it. Flat was, track. It was the hardest motorcycle I've ever learned how to ride in my life. Oh god. So like you just like your body is like, do this, and you're like, that's not gonna work, and it doesn't. And you it took me an entire season to figure it out. Like so I hope you and, learn and in I, one weekend. I hope yeah, you right? have fun. I've hopped I've hopped on like every motorcycle I've hopped on, like I figured out pretty quickly. That thing took me forever. So the the biggest thing when you're starting is coast the straightaway, get leaned into the corner, and then roll on the throttle, and you'll get a little bit of a slide. But it's totally different when you're going fast. But it is like it's the scariest thing I've ever done. It, it, and it, it was hard because my wrist yeah. my wrist is trying to do something, and my mind's trying to do something different. So it, it just it's a tough one, but. It's also super cool, and it's it's cool that you're going to get on one. Yeah. yeah, so that's what this is. It's it's you know there are some countries that it's going to be going through, and we may get you know 100 women all riding together, and it's going to be you know nice nice scenic roads. And then there's going to be other places where it's just uh, one person just enduring and getting through. You know, um, you know, like some of the Balkan areas right. we got to go through. Doing an um, Iron Woman carrying the torch to the uh, the rescue on the other side. Like this is going to be exciting. Well, and actually, when it comes to the U.S., I threw in an iron butt there. We're going to be, uh, it's a 1,026 mile day going from Sturgis almost to Seattle. <laughs> Dude, I've actually <laughs> ridden um, the longest day I've ever had on a motorcycle was that route. But I only went like 860 and it was cold and rainy and sucked. Yeah. And that's the thing that sucks is if the. If the weather isn't cooperating, there is no going back. It has to get through. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be on a snowmobile if it's anything like it is this week where it's like negative 35 up there. Dude, I know. You were there last uh, week. Well, how was it? How was it last week? I stood on a lake, man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I hope it's uh, not still we're not still having some sort of vortex then. <laughs> you're going to be so, yeah, up a creek. This, this thing is traveling every day of the year for, let's see, it starts on February 27th and it is going to end right now, I think February 1st in Oman. Is that a whole year then? It's just short and then uh, and then we'll have a – it's like we're at 11 months right now I think. Man, there's going to be so many stories. If you imagine just one person traveling across – uh, a continent and they get like, you know, a write a book about it, you know, imagine the, the, uh, 
series of books you'll be able to get from all these stories. Um, do you guys have any sort of plans to do any media or anything like that? Any, um, well, I'm sure social media, but do you guys have any uh, film about this or is this going to become like a yearly, hopefully thing? Are you going to see how this one goes first before you commit to, uh, to next year, <laughs> especially you being the ride planner? I mean, I can't imagine the, uh, the headaches you're having already just planning this thing. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be doing press releases, and I think there's going to be a media buildup, especially because we're going to have um, a GPS tracker so that you can actually see the progress that it's making each day. We're going to be doing posts every time the baton is actually passed to another woman. We'll take photos, um, all that, you know, every border crossing. And there's a big difference. Like here in the U.S., yeah, we have a lot of women writers, and according to the MCN, I think we're almost, what, 20% of writers here. I mean, that's a debatable number. But then when you talk about some of the countries we're going through, like Pakistan, where there's a – I can count on one hand the amount of women who are capable to ride across Pakistan. Right. I got I mean, one, one woman who agreed to, it's going to take 10 days and she has to hire police escorts. Right. And it's, um, I mean, it just made the news uh, over the past couple of years, the first woman, Pakistani and Indian even uh, riders that are racers now and allowed to ride motorcycles, especially in the UAE and a couple other of those uh, countries that are a little bit more conservative where women weren't even allowed to drive. They're just now becoming able to ride. So this is going to be an amazing undertaking from a not only from a spectacular uh feminist and empowering sort of uh, standpoint but also from a cultural and uh, you know putting a time stamp on this saying look 2019 to 2020 was the year that we broke these crazy boundaries in these countries you know what i'm saying like this is going to be a whole cultural uh thing and for the motorcycle industry like what are you what's your goal with this what are you hoping to are you just hoping to show the actual uh you know force of women are you hoping to solidify like the fact that hey women are overlooked like is it an awareness thing is it a uh breaking cultural boundaries thing like what is what are the actual goals are there more than one so one of the things we're going to be doing um, while this is traversing around the world is we're going to be throwing events. And the events are to inspire women, basically, um, but also to help women network. One of the things we want to do is um, the, the most common misconception is that there isn't any gear for women. Women have to get the men's gear. You know, it doesn't fit. And that's not true. Every manufacturer makes it, but not many stores stock it on their shelves because it doesn't sell enough and just trying to make women aware of what is available but not just that we wanted to go back to the industry because it's a common thing right now that people say that the the dealership experience is lacking Mm -hmm. and it certainly is lacking in catering to women and there's still men, many women that have stories of being told, well, go get your husband and I'll talk to him or, you know, miss, people not understanding that these are capable riders. And so what we want to do is we want to have um, dealerships host an event where they do a little mechanic workshop and teach them basic maintenance, that they have gear that they can try on and maybe test rides for bikes because a lot of women – you know, seek out what's a good bike for me. I have short legs. Do I have to get just a cruiser? Um, So, but there's technique 
that you can use to ride a taller bike, but not just that being inspired to see women like Elspeth Beard around the world or Jocelyn Snow, who was in the GS trophy, who's five foot one and can outride most men on a giant right. GS 1200. I, I had the pleasure of meeting <laughs> Jocelyn at AIM. She's taller than me even, but um, <laughs> yeah, she really, I mean, if she can sling a bike around who can, she's, she's, I won't say she's dainty, you know, anything like that or petite. I won't, I don't want to, uh, take anything with her she's a strong person but yeah you're right she's not under the giant you know with boobs basically she's she's a smaller person and she can she does some of this stuff on these bikes that i don't think a lot of uh gs owners could do (laughs) you know if they could pull themselves away from starbucks long enough i don't think they could do some of the stuff that you guys have described her doing uh on the show so i think that's pretty cool just to show women and and show you know everybody out there that there's it doesn't matter. You know, just go do it. Do what you do. Yeah. And, and, uh, here, we do it. You do it too. You know? Yeah. We, we want the industry. We want to teach the industry how to treat women. And then you have to look at the industry right now, right? Everyone's worried about where the dealership's going. Yeah. Sales are down this and that, but what's yeah. the fastest growing market in the motorcycle industry right now? Well, even Robert Pandia could probably tell us, um, if the mom buys the, uh, the, if the mom rides, Right, the moms hold the buying power. Yeah, you're, you've got that all messed up. What the uh, the, the saying is: <clears throat> if you teach uh, a boy to ride, then you uh, then you have you know you have a man that's riding. If you teach a, a girl to ride, you have a family that's riding. Oh well, that's that could be another one. <laughs> another like saying. But, um, but if mom rides, the family rides, right? I mean, that's yeah, like exactly. that's like one of the things is that. Uh, so, you yeah, guys, women you, is the fastest growing market and the industry needs to know how to cater to them. In so many instances it still is a it's you know the the old guys uh industry. Yeah. But it's sure, not just women. Sure. We do we do know that dealership experience is changing. Um but also people aren't going in and buying the parts and the gear from the shops as much anymore either. So that's a struggle on both ends and we're just trying to give dealerships a solution to how to bring in more women. Right. Now I have a question. What if you're a dude and you want to uh, get behind this or you want to um, be a part of this or help out with this at all? So, yeah, we've, we've pissed off a lot of women with this one because the, the thing is when you look at most women, you ask them how they learn to ride. Usually the answer is a father, a brother, a boyfriend, a neighbor, and it's usually a guy. So right from the start, we said we don't want to exclude men. We want to support the men that support us. Are you kidding me, dude? Oh, I had us turned down. Sorry. <laughs> that, didn't, that, didn't, that didn't go on the recorder. People are going to wonder what you're talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... What we have is when women uh, register to ride, they can also register a companion that's a male to just be a companion, not a leader. They won't be holding the baton, but they are allowed to come on the ride. On the same token, we also recognize pillions as riders because there are some pillions that go around the world and that's some hardcore shit. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's bad enough getting a sore butt riding yourself that long, but then being a billion, I can only imagine. Hey, yeah. should I leave that in, by the way? Should I leave that mystery? Uh, <laughs> I, 
I mean, I got the time marked, but you know what? That's kind of funny because nobody's going to hear of Eliza. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty amazed. I'm glad that you guys are supporting. And, and you know what? Um, I don't think it's a, I think if, if more, you know, going back to the, if mom rides, the family rides, um, or if you teach a girl to ride, you're teaching the family to ride. I think if you get the guys behind it too, it won't seem like such a, Oh man, like they're just doing it for attention. I don't know if it's like that anyway, but I'm just saying, I think it'll, it, it'll just bring more people into it. And I, I'm, I'm jazzed about it. So, I mean, I can't see why anybody would not want you guys to do this, but I'm thinking in other countries, I'm thinking in other places where it's a little bit more conservative and women aren't expected to do stuff like this. If they see a bunch of, uh, support from the male perspective from other countries, when it comes through, they'll just be like, oh yeah, let's go rally this person on. Maybe, hopefully, hopefully they won't be like, let's go sabotage it. But, um, you know, when you get global support, you're getting support from the majority of the community too. Right. So, I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, I don't think it should, uh, make anybody upset, but I can see why I, I, at the same time, I I wouldn't want to undermine your guys' goals, your guys' mission and the whole reason for, um, the whole reason for this in the first place, which is the fact that a lot of times you're overlooked, you know? So, uh, it sounds pretty amazing and I want to, I, I'm going to be tuning in, but I really want you to keep in touch and let us know how this stuff is going. Oh, I will. It, like I said, it's taken over my life because there is no precedent to follow. So we've had to create this global event from the ground up and we've had to write, you know, by hand, every waiver, every guidebook, every rule, oh every, every application. Um, and, and because it is global, like we're just dealing with trying to translate stuff right now and there's <clears throat> conversion current currencies and it's quite, an undertaking and we've yet to take in one cent in corporate donation. Right. And you know what? I know going to some countries, even no matter what your sex is, you have to have a fixer, you have to have an escort. I can only imagine the logistics that you guys are going through trying to plan this and the fact that you haven't had a corporate sponsor, everything's been pretty much out of pocket or, you know, whatever donations you guys have received yeah, I so wonder- far. Um, so is that something you've tried is to get some corporate sponsors and just no one's gotten on board yet? Um, when you say, have we tried not, no, we've been too busy trying to create this and route this and, okay. um, just, but we don't, we don't have, you know what, you have to be able to ask and we don't have anyone yet that's good at asking, but we're working on it. I'll tell you like one of the things that was interesting that we discovered, um, we realized that because we don't really have money, but this is costing money to create the website. Yeah, I mean, all these things costing money. We decided we had to charge a registration fee to participate, and we wanted to come up with a fair number. So we came up with 25 pounds, which comes out to about like 35 U.S. dollars, right? But you get a T-shirt and a patch and a certificate of participation for that amount. So it doesn't sound like a lot. Yeah. But then we found that there were countries like Croatia, and they're saying – we, that's like a two-month salary. Holy like cow. We, we can't afford that. Oh, wow. I know where and, I'm going to go on my next vacation, though. <laughs> yeah. So they came back and said, you know, riding should be free. We shouldn't have to pay. It's like, well, you know, we put in a lot of work and thousands of our dollars personally. Yeah. We have to charge something. Yeah. So we also created a five-pound registration that doesn't come with a T-shirt and a patch. And that cool. comes to about $7. To participate. Tell them um, in America, we pay for everything. Yeah. Well, you know, in a country like that too, who they probably see it as a, uh, 
who wants a t-shirt and a patch? I want to make a statement sort of thing. Like hopefully, hopefully they see it that way. But, um, it's cool. I mean, I hope too, that someone kind of gets on board because right now, I mean, the whole women writing thing is such a push in the industry. Um, and I think one of the biggest players that I hear that from talk of the devil again, but Harley, man, they always talk about getting women writing. How can we get out there to women? So, you know, it would be really cool to see, especially a company like that, but even some smaller companies, you know, I think, um, you know, one of the things you brought up was gear companies, you know, not that people that they make women's gear, but it's just hard to get at the dealers. Um, so yeah, I mean that there, it, it would be cool if, if someone would get on board and just kind of help out. I mean, that it's going to benefit everyone, you know? And I feel like this year there's so much global, a spotlight on, you know, there's that whole helmets for India movement right now. Um, and there's all, I mean, there's so many things happening worldwide and globally as, uh, the two wheel market is more places are getting middle-class and able to afford better two wheel vehicles, or they're just outgrowing the ones that have been around for like 50 years and they're getting into new, you know, 2019 was, or 2018 was a huge year for, um, manufacturers across the globe to kind of reset and remake some newer stuff and it's really impacting other markets it's not just um i mean you guys aren't going to be riding harley davidson's across the globe you're going to be riding whatever's local to those markets right i mean some people it's yeah there's everything there and um you know another thing that we're doing because we realized again a lot of these these areas where motorcycles are very common but not necessarily written for pleasure, right? Um, that every man who comes on as a companion and pays a $5 registration fee, that money gets set aside as a scholarship for a woman somewhere who oh, couldn't afford to pay that $5. Right. I mean, that's pretty, that's awesome too. And I can't imagine that you wouldn't be able to connect with people that want to subsidize this in some way and be connected with this, especially if you guys make it a, you know, International Female Ride Day is one thing, but Mm -hmm. literally connecting people hand to hand. I don't know how you guys are going to do this across the, the, uh, I can see the bearing straight, like you might be able to pull that one off with like a good fast run across the water, but I don't know how you guys are going to pull off the Atlantic Ocean, but it's uh, literally connecting women to women, passing off a baton. Do you guys have a baton by uh, like a physical baton? Yeah, it's actually really cool. Um, one of the um, admins, uh, her husband hand carved it, and it's really badass because it's got our logo engraved on it, and then um, painted with glow in the dark paint, and then it has it, it actually is a scroll, and it has waterproof uh, sheets of paper Whoa. rolled up in there, so you can pull this out, and all the women participating can sign it. Like it, like three thousand oh, years cool. from now, people are going to find it and think it was some like crazy mystery religion, and it's going to start like a, a women's motorcycle religion in the future. <laughs> like well, and then he had to make scrolls. a he had to make a custom case for it was wow. made out of pvc that he heated and molded to it that will also hold like the gps tracker stuff like that but we had to be very careful because there are a lot of countries you're going through and like we had to look at what kind of wood we're using because some countries they ban bringing wood products yeah yeah you're right yeah 
And so this has just been, it's, it's crazy, but yeah, we have an actual baton that's going to be passed and there are going to be times where we have to put it on a plane or, you know, FedEx it. Um, we're, we're going to try to get a woman to carry it on the plane for us. Like, you know, Australia, uh, to New Zealand has to be flown and then New Zealand to Canada, um, but yeah, it's it's going to be pretty big, and we're assuming that as this is going, it's going to get more and more attention. Um, yeah, and hey, let me let me tell you, yeah. people in Australia that are in like Bungadari, they're probably not going to drive seventy three, you know, thousand kilometers out of the way to go hit your little town. They're probably going to hit Melbourne, Sydney, right? I'm going to, you know, so uh, be prepared for it. You're going to touch uh, every, you know, you're going to unite people around the world, but you're not going to drive through every single town. It's already going to take you almost a year to do this. So, I mean, it's awesome because uh, going forward, uh, if you pick different routes, maybe you can hit different parts of the world uh, for the next one. And um, I mean, even if it's not next year, even if it's every four years, like a world cup of motorcycle relays. I mean, this is, a, it's an amazing thing. It's be pretty cool to take part in. And I can't believe you guys are kicking it off here in less than a month. Right. I mean, yeah, well, it actually gets bigger than that. Cause I haven't told you about the ripple relays. Oh my God. <laughs> well, let's hear about this little facet. Well, knowing that because this baton has to keep moving and you can't possibly take like a tour and go see every, every great road in, in each country. I mean, that would just take forever. We've decided to create ripple relays. And what that means is as the main relay is going on, as it starts at the end of February, every country that wants to participate can start their own ripple relay and they'll get a flag of their country. And they're going to, in the, the span of the year that the main relay is going, they're going to start passing that flag and see how many how far it reaches in, the, in in their country, they can get that flag Crazy. to go around. Crazy. So we Re- also relays, have these ripple, like, ripple relays. Yeah, relays within relays. I mean, that's amazing. That's a pretty good idea. Yes, it's it, this is so this is so massive. So we're talking potentially tens of thousands of women participating in this thing, and. Yeah, we've built a website and a forum and just to build the infrastructure to do this and to uh, for people to apply and registration. And that's what we've been working on. And there's been a small group of women who've been working a second full-time job doing this. God dang. Well, hey, can, before you go, can you give us the website? I know there's a Facebook page for it um, because the MCN article – uh, said that this was a group that started there. This whole group started on Facebook and has moved into this whole weird global thing that's just taken on a life of its own and then a life of its own. Um, if people uh, want to find it on Facebook, where can they go? Womenridersworldrelay.com. Dot com, okay. And, and I- once it starts, we'll be posting like the tracking um You'll be able to follow it. Uh, For men, you're not able to join the Facebook group, but it is public, so you can see what's going on there. All right. And so check it out. Check out the the Facebook page for sure to see the original uh, startup, the impetus for all this. Then go over to womenwritersworldrelay.com. And if you want, just you can Google if uh, search on any actually any browser on the internets, uh, WRWR. And after you filter through like their water resources work 
rehabilitation <laughs> center or whatever you're going to find. You guys have got press on MCN. I think on BBC I saw some, a couple things just because it's taken – you know, you got two events happening uh, over there in the good old jolly England. And so there's already a couple things um, over there promoting it and there's some really cool flyers and uh, all that great stuff already on the web without even you know just searching WRWR. So go check that out and uh, check out the Facebook page if you got a chance and you want to see what it's all about. If you're a dude, support your lady, get into this. And uh, is there anything else? I mean, you've got so much on your plate now, plus you're running a uh, successful podcast. Is there anything else that you guys have besides your food tour that's coming up um, that you want to pump up or promote? Yeah, um, I've discovered a pretty cool app recently. And I've started using it, and I, and I think we're going to be using it for the relay that I wanted to share because it's great for motorcyclists. It's a free app, and it's called Traverus.com, T-R-A-V-E-R-O-U-S. You can find it uh, anywhere you can, you know, apps on your phone. And it's really cool. And the way it works is you bring it up, and you just turn it on. It uses your GPS and it will just track your ride. And every time you want to stop at like for food or for a scenic spot, you take a picture and it tags it onto that spot. And when you're done at the end of the day, you just hit finish and it will take all that information. It'll create a video with music of a a topographical map, like, like, you know, like Google satellite, showing your path and then stopping and popping up the pictures taken at each of these stops. It's really pretty cool. And I mean, you could use this for, this is the coolest thing for bikes. So we don't have to waste our time making Instagram videos and uh, hacking it together in iMovie or something. Uh, This does that for you. And that's pretty cool. Can you, do you share it with friends or is it just like a, uh, like a brief trip of what you did? I mean, you can use it for camping or moto touring. How long of a, how long of a thing is this? How long does it store up to just daily? Yeah, it stores it. It's kind of like Instagram. And so you can have people, uh, you can uh, follow each other on it. You can scroll through and look at all the videos that people have created. So if you were going to go travel somewhere and go for a ride, you can search for that city or that location and see if somebody's already done a video and see what route they took and what it looked like. Dang, that sounds pretty cool. I'm going to check it out. Traverus. I'm going to check it out right now. Um, and I'm going to see, I'm going to follow you guys, but I'm also going to use it maybe for, for my rides. That'd be pretty cool. Um, can't wait to pick it apart. It's pretty cool. It's, um, a couple guys from Pakistan created it. And it's still, it's just kind of new, but it's, it's really sweet. And that's a free app. And then if you want to subscribe for $5 a month, you get, you can have like more photos uh, added and you can change the music. There's more features you, you can do. But what I love about it is it's so simple. I didn't have to edit anything. I didn't even know if it was working. I'm like, I just keep taking pictures and hitting go. And at the end I just hit finished. And then like uh, an hour later, this, I got this email saying your video is ready. It's pretty rad. Nice. I'm going to check it out. And, uh, you know, one other thing before you go, you're also the uh, creator, founder, writer, coordinator, half coordinator, and um, liaison for the Chikistan, which is your women's ride to Pakistan. Are you going to be doing that as part of the World Riders Rally? Are you going to integrate that trip into your leg of the rally over there? No, I am actually doing, yeah, I'm doing an all women's trip to Pakistan in September. And that's going to be 
not there. The, the route they will have already gone through there. Um, and, uh, yeah, any women interested in coming to ride Pakistan with me, um, hit me up. You can uh, reach me at motorcyclesandmisfits.com. Um, but the thing is really cool and talking about women riding, uh, you go to a place like Pakistan and women riding is in its infancy right yeah. now. And there's just a handful of women, but they've started creating schools to teach women to ride and to go see a place where you are treated like a celebrity because you're a woman who can ride. Like, I'm kid you not. Like they had like, we had like a a press show up everywhere we went. No kidding. (laughs) Dude, that's nuts. Oh yeah. They're all, look at these, look at these women out of garb first off (laughs) and then they're on motorcycles. What the heck? Um, no, I mean, Uh, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm also creating another uh, Chikistan tour of Pakistan <laughs> that's going to be happening like a week before the the relay gets to the U.S. that I'm in charge of the U.S. So September is going to be rough, man. Uh, yeah, you got a busy year. <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay, well, we're going to cut you loose. We've had you on the phone. Matt Locke is coming on pretty soon. I know you don't want to miss that. Uh, and your, uh, your, Murder, She Wrote. That's uh, my your, Yeah, Murder, She Wrote and Golden Girls. Uh, back-to-back <laughs> week Wednesdays at uh, – no. We really – I appreciate you coming on and telling us all about this cool stuff. Um, and you're going to be – it must be nice to have like no kids and just motorcycles because you're doing a lot of traveling and a lot of planning and you would not be able to do any of that uh, – had you had a normal human being's life, I don't know what I'm saying now. I'm just blabbing, trying to give you give you more praise than you deserve. But um, but thanks <laughs> thanks for stopping in and telling us all about it. And I'm gonna keep up and keep listening to your show. And as soon as you're gone, I'm gonna start following you on Traverse and see exactly where you're headed. Yeah, I'll share the my video with you Rad. that I did last weekend. Just a test run. It's pretty cool. Yeah, there's not much room left on my phone for BS apps anymore. So it's nice to know there's one I can probably you know download that I will enjoy. So well, and it's simple enough. You should be able to use it. Well, yeah. If it has just uh, pictures, I can probably figure it out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Jazz Hands Miller, thank you so much for coming on this week to our show, and uh, we'll catch you on your show, which airs normally Sunday nights, Monday mornings on yep. um, on the interwebs, wherever you find your fine podcasts. Check her out, MotorcyclesMisfits.com, amongst other places, WR, WR is, uh, check that out on the web, and go to MotorcyclesMisfits.com if you want to go to Pakistan and see some really crazy stuff with a cool chick. Thanks, Liza Jazz Hands Miller, for uh, Thanks, hanging out with us this Jackie. week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Bye. Bye. For over 125 and a half years, no pickle has been more trusted by motorcycle champions everywhere than Clobman Pickles. You want to win your race? Put a Clobman Pickle in your face. Clobman's guaranteed. Clubman's in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clubman's the only pickle for motorcyclists. I don't know why I can't remember the Pacaville. I buy it for 99 cents. I just want to hear it. Yeah, Pacaville Cannon. It was actually uh, hated by people for being in weddings because it was in the, I think it was in the wedding, the marriage of Figaro, the opera. And in that. Oh boy. I'm going to turn that down. We're going to turn down Wiggins' mic while this plays because that's... recording now? Yeah.
<laughs> Welcome back. So what great, great uh I'm gonna Yeah, 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 that one. Okay. Uh I think that's also pomp and circumstance in D major. Yeah. And that's a wolf howl in A minor. <laughs> so enough about music and enough about uh, everything else. Thank you, Jazz Hans Miller, for coming on and talking all about uh the where we're which uh, I'm excited. I'm going to follow that. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty stoked for that, and I'm stoked for female writers around the globe that are going to be taking part in that. And uh, off air, we talked about my Krakistan tour that I'm going to be uh, making here pretty soon. <laughs> we'll figure, we'll get the details on that out later, and uh, bring your bring your needles. And um, that's pretty exciting, bikes. and I feel like that's a pretty big deal. For motorcycling in general, and especially for women in motorcycling, Robert Pandia was had that whole give a shift last year that talked about the negligence of and, and you know if you ever go back and listen to the Motorific podcast, which hasn't been around for a, a, a year now, at least a year, maybe a couple more, they would always talk about how they'd go into the motorcycle. They're two female riders, and they would go into the shops with their boyfriends, and the salesman would look right past them at their boyfriend and be like, uh, "What can I help you with?" And it's such a it wasn't intentional, but it was an assumption. It was like a subconscious, and that's part. I think that's the part that has to change. You have to. It's twenty nineteen. It's time to start uh, not taking everything for granted. And they would get so mad because the dude's like, uh, "I don't even ride. <laughs> like we're here for her." And so it's a real thing, you know. It's a real thing. But also in these other countries where women are just now being allowed to drive and ride, it's going to be the kind funny of amazing, part is right? Too, like, uh, I mean. It, I guess I see why they do that, but a lot of good salesmen know that you, you talk to the wife, even if it is for the husband. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I feel like that's a mistake on maybe the, yeah. maybe just the idiots that they were dealing with. So it's like, it's a bummer that you felt discriminated against, but it also shows like how unaware that salesman is. Yeah. Probably didn't make very many sales. <laughs> yeah. So the whole, uh, happy Friday, everybody, by the way, happy lunar new year. And as you heard at the top of the show, Wiggins finally read the whole text that I gave to him. <laughs> and so the this year is the year of the pig. And uh, there's a couple topics where we have the option here. Let's option these out. And before – So could it be for us in the motorcycle industry, the year of the hog? That's what I – did you read the text? Did you not read the text? <laughs> hey, by the way, I I have something for you. Oh, dang. Now that we're recording, I don't want to leave it out. So my sister said, sorry she's not a Patreon subscriber, but she made you a handkerchief. Oh, dude. Something to cover my ugly mug. Yeah. So. I like how you said yeah without any pause. <laughs> um, dude, these are sweet. Yeah. So the, um, what do I want to say? Like the, the, like the EDC community, everyone likes super nice handkerchiefs. So my sister made some. Um, Is that the electric dance carnival? Yeah. Electric Daisy Carnival. What am I so trying to that one is uh that one's kind of well, I don't know. It's supposed to have a gray backing to be the exclusive, but that's kind of my field initiative exclusive. This pattern is well that skull pattern. Nice. And then she sent me one with some sugar skulls. So I have nice. so I have different ones. You have Dia yeah. de los Muertos uh, yeah. handkerchief there. Well I'm gonna wipe my nose on this thing and appreciate every minute. It feel it's great. Like yeah. this is awesome. She's a good uh, seamstress, by I the way. I told you, man. My family just makes stuff. Dang, that's what we do. Made a couple kids that made some great stuff. Yeah. We'll tell your sister thank you very much. I will. And I'll add her into Patreon. Would, she listens to the show, so that's why I wanted oh. to record. Hey, Christina Wiggins. <laughs> 
I hope she likes that one. I pulled that one out of the air. So, Wiggs, out of all the topics I gave you in that text, which one did you decide the show would be about? I didn't know I was supposed to pick. That really, that really threw me off. And you keep saying text. It was actually in an email. Which is probably why I didn't read it. I'm going to blame. I'm going to no blame. No way. That. It was a text message, right? I thought it. I thought not. Check your text. Maybe it was. No, it was a text. It was a text because I did it from my oh, phone. Maybe and, that one was a text. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. So it is Year of the Pig, everybody. And so I, I said, listen, a Lunar New Year, which is sometimes called Chinese New Year, even though several different uh, people use the Lunar New Year. Um, so I said we should we could make it about Chinese bikes or lunar type stuff, which is happens to be also used um, by – uh, Islam, it's like an Islamic. Might I think the Islamic calendar might follow a lunar calendar, and in a, by a lunar calendar standards, it's probably the year like fifty thousand three hundred ninety two. Because lunar people followed lunar calendars, yeah, and solar calendars all throughout the different millennia. We only got on the Gregorian calendar not that long ago. If you're if you're a history nerd, like it's somewhere around like two thousand years or so, right? No, not even that long. I know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but um so the lunar calendar uh has been going on for quite a long time and uh saying, you know, maybe we could use it. I'm I'm assuming this is a huge assumption that a lot of Turkish, you know, like you say America, it's a Christian country even though like we're not specifically Christian. Kind of like Turkey is like a Muslim country, even though it's not specifically Muslim. So I was like, we could talk about Turkish writers like Kan Onku and Kenan Safoglu or, uh, dang, I wrote, I wrote a couple guys down here and I was going to research them. Or we could talk about pigs, right? Or hogs. I and I thought you were going to bring the Harley angle on that what was, one. What was that guy's last name? Safoglu? Yeah, Kenan Safoglu. Oh, man. He just I, retired. I want to use that name to make fun of people, dude. He was, yeah, like, man, you are such a Kenan Safuglu. You're Safuglu. You're Safuglu. But dude, that guy we just won. Like, I think he won the 2017 World Superbike and then retired. He retired on a high note, like Ryan Dungey. Uh, but Why yeah, do you want to retire on a high note? Because, dude, you want to go out like Rossi? Yes. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's how legends go out. What? Like never winning anything. He's still competitive, and he's like seventy years old. You the, know what? The first time that dude won a world championship, Marquez's parents weren't even together. That's oh my god! Are you kidding me? No, but pretty close. <laughs> yeah. How old's Marquez? Twenty two, twenty three. Come on, dude! He's like seventeen. Yeah, I. Yeah, he's. I probably wouldn't be wrong if I said he won a championship before Marquez was born. No, he probably did. Yeah, because he won in mid-90s for small bikes. Yeah. But he won a 500 championship, I know, in 99, but I think before that. Right. Hey, listen, the Kenan Safoglu stats right here. Born in 1984, which is an awesome book, by the way. Turkish former professional motorcycle racer. <laughs> you should see my Instagram story from the drive over here. <laughs> okay. There was a bumper sticker on a car on a Prius, don't judge me, that said, Make Orwell fiction again. <laughs> oh, dude. Boom. That's for, that's the truth. Yeah, I took a picture of it. Uh, so it. he won He won the most uh, World Supersport titles. And, What's or, a World Supersport? 600 class? Uh, I think so. Yeah, Supersport World Champion. 2007, 2010, 2012, 2015, 2016. But he was never good, to, good enough to go World Superbike. Uh, I'm sure he probably did. I'm not going to read this whole Wikipedia page. Yeah, Supersport and Superbikes. Oh, cool. 
He won Class B of the Turkish Supersport Championship in 2000, the German Yamaha R6 Cup in 2002. You want us, should we just go through this whole uh, page of Wikipedia page? I don't Wikipedia think page? listening wants to yeah. go through that whole page. So that has uh, that was really a reach. Also, I thought, yeah, 2019, you're the pig. We can do 2019 stuff. So that's what I brought to the table was a bunch of 2019. A um, bunch of bacon. A bunch of bacon to this table. I brought I brought a bunch of e-bikes to this uh to this fight, um, it's not really a fight. It's more of a podcast. <laughs> but, but I brought a bunch of stupid e-bikes, and I was hoping you were going to bring some sort of. Uh, I hope you. I thought you were going to do. Oh, what did I say? Moon Eyes or Luna Cycles? Which Luna Cycles is a local dealership here that I don't even know <laughs> if you knew about. But I was like, anything to do with the. I read it and lunar? I was like, oh, what is that? Yeah. What about the band Luna? Do you like the band Luna? I do know what Moon Eyes is. Yeah. But yeah. So it's crazy that it's such like a small shop and has such a crazy cult following. Yeah. Especially in Japan. In Japan, yeah. But I mean, well, I should shouldn't say a shop. There's one here and one in Japan, but yeah. And the def- one here is like tiny. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's bigger than the studio, though. Wouldn't you say? What are we microscopic? Not a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I was hoping that we were going to bring the bring the thunder on this, but. Uh, yeah, that's basically how I feel about this uh, this segment. Let's do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you some of the coolest things because e-bikes made a huge. Um, you know, talking with Liza, um, e-bikes are going to be a huge part of the future. And I just watched two electric vehicle documentary. Well, electric vehicle documentary and then electric vehicle mm-hmm. lecture this year and uh or this week and so i'm like all on this ev kick so i i have a bunch of ev um, vehicles that are going to debut this year or uh you know be available this year so we'll talk about that first why don't we get into this i have a in front of me a deck of cards that i got for christmas last year <laughs> and they are the stupidest conversation starter cards they're not too bad they're not well they like they, they brought up some yeah they have they brought up some good uh, questions. So I'm going to hold these out here and I'm going to let Wiggins pick one. And you uh, kind of forced the one that I picked. I think it was a card trick. Like I put, like I put, <laughs> you only, I'm going to give Wiggins he was like, one. Oh, you can only reach this one. <laughs> so I got a question for you, Wiggs. What, how question did you ask today? What, how question? Yeah. How did this get done? How am I supposed to do that? How did I poop my pants when I didn't even have pants on? That those are the sort of questions I ask myself. What how question did you ask today? Um let's see. I ordered a $200 piece of titanium. So I asked myself, how the hell am I going to make a folding knife? <laughs> that you're going to say how? I actually bought it to make a titanium fixed blade or a couple. <laughs> But I thought then you were going to say, like, how did I just order a $200 piece of titanium? <laughs> now I know how. But So you're going to make a titanium knife. Don't you have to have adamantium drill bits to like even – Oh, no. That it's not hard. Titanium is not that hard. Actually, what you have to do um, to the edge – you don't have to. There's a few different things you can do. But one thing you can do to the edge is kind of like etching um, – like you can etch metal with salt water in a battery. If you oh, hook yeah. up a negative lead and a positive lead. Um, I think I need more amps, but I can buy a machine for like a hundred or two hundred bucks. Um, I'm gonna I can carbidize the edge. I can literally take uh what a lot of people use is a broken carbide end mill. Luckily I have tons of those at work. Um from other people, not from me. <laughs> so but like an eighth inch end mill works really well and you um so you like negatively charge the knife and then put the other one in the positive lead and you kind of scratch it on the surface and uh 
it like lays down carbide on it. So. If you know what a carbide windmill is, then you're one step ahead of the game. Yeah, that'd be a really heavy, expensive windmill. <laughs> uh, no. But yeah, I was like, well, since I ordered this titanium, I have to do a folder. Yeah, so. if you want to waste about 3,000 hours on YouTube, go to Crazy Crazy Russian Hacker or The King of Random, and they'll show you all sorts of like cool tricks you can do with batteries and sort of like liquid solutions to etch and do all crazy kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah, etching stuff. metal with electricity is super, yeah. super easy. Yeah. I've actually done it on a custom for Naked Jim. Nice. Actually for his daughter, but he bought it. Nice. So, so how long is this? Uh, when is it coming in and who's it for? And like give us the goodies. Oh, it'll be here in a couple of days. And how are you going to make a fold? That's a good how question. How are you going to make a folding? You wasn't necessarily a folding like before? I haven't. It wasn't necessarily like how am I going to do it, but it was how am I going to do the lock face and the stop pin and the pivot. There's, <laughs> How am I going to keep everything lined up yeah. so good? The, on so, the back side, there's the flugel binder. Yeah. And on the bottom, there's the uh, the hatchet it's board. It's definitely going to be a challenge. Yeah. So part of me is like really scared and part of me is like excited. Are you uh, impressed that I know so many knife parts? Yeah. The flugel bottom? Flugel binder. A flugel binder, yeah. Yeah, I am. That's the, a good one. The flin from on the bottom uh, has to connect to the Horgus file on the side. And I'm anxious to see. This would be pretty cool. Uh, can Maybe. We, can we find, are you going to post it up? When is it going to be here? How is it going to get here, first of all? The mail? The the mail. Okay. It's like a eight and a half by 11 and a half inch sheet. Oh, dang. 205 thousandths thick for merely $200. Yeah, that's like a sheet of you just bought a piece of metal paper in a way. Yeah. <laughs> really expensive piece <laughs> metal of metal paper. paper. Uh yeah, I had like some a titanium cardstock, please. Yeah. Um yeah, I'll ask you ask the how, I'll ask the who, when, where and why. Um keep us informed who Chris Wiggins when whenever you get it. Oh yeah. Well, why? Because not uh, even right awesome. when I get it. I I want to make a couple of titanium fixed blades out of the material first, like that was why I bought it. Um, and of course with the one show and mama tried coming up, like it's not a priority in the knife making hobby right now. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Just probably packing up your, how are you getting into the one show? Are you vanning it or trucking? I'm it? trucking with a trailer and with then, your truck. Yeah. And then taking some other people's bikes. So hopefully this storm, uh, dumps and then Dude, gets out of here. Yeah. Who knows? By next week. By the way, I'm sorry that on you know Tuesday and Wednesday I was talking about how warm it was on Instagram, and yeah. uh, I think I did it on Thursday too. Although it was raining on Thursday, so. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. I was like talking about it when all you guys were like showing me your negative 35 pictures. I um I was a jerk. I was a real jerk. Hey, and on that same subject, if Narissa didn't see the picture I found of her on the internet today that we posted on the creative writing Facebook. I couldn't remember her last name off the top of my head. So I like went to her Instagram and she didn't have her last name. And I was like, ah, and Facebook, there was a surprising amount of Narissa's and I could find the right one. <laughs> I actually don't even know if she's on Facebook. Listen, but I, her last name is can go one of two ways. Are you a Celtics or a Celtics fan? Well, I, I prefer, I, I grew up in Indiana, so you mean like Boston Celtics? Okay, because I am, uh, you know, a multilingual person who would oh. never say Celtic. So her last name is either, which I believe is probably the right correct uh, pronunciation, or how I would pronounce it would be. Current. I think you're right with. That I sounds right. Um, because Americans are sons. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
Interesting uh, story. When you were a kid in the 80s in Indiana, you didn't, well, at least me, I didn't even know that the Pacers existed. I was going to say, in the 1880s, I was a kid, and I, <laughs> and I wasn't in Indiana. So, yeah, the, the Celtics were like the most famous basketball team in Indiana. Right. Not the Hoosiers, huh? Well, that's a college team. Oh. Not the Nebraska Cornhuskers? That's also a college team, but in another state. Not the Buckeyes? Also college. Not Notre Dame? That's in Indiana? It is, but that's a college oh. team. So for NBA, I didn't even know the Pacers. I literally didn't had no idea the Pacers Not I'm not even really a basketball fan, but I still had no idea the Pacers existed. And uh, the Boston Celtics was like the team. Is the Pacers an Illinois team? No. But Indiana's favorite son was playing for the uh, Celtics. Wh- where are the Pacers from? Indianapolis. Or Indiana. Where not Indianapolis in Maryland? No, it's in Indiana. <laughs> wait, wait for the creator. Hence the name. Annapolis, uh, Indiana. Indianapolis. Wait for the uh, a creative writing map of America to come out. <laughs> I think later next you year. really need to like draw one out. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Because I think we talked about... Before you came on the show, I think I talked oh, about how it uh, seems like every other Ohio episode. and Texas were next to each other, yeah. and then uh, yeah, we talked about the Erie Canal being next to Lake Wobegon or something like that. Yeah, it's terrible. So Annapolis, Indiana, is uh, yeah. going to be on the map there. But um, getting back to motorcycles and your knife making and weather, but yeah, so that was and the, weather. The what? So listen, it's been negative. How? Uh, speaking of your question, how oh, yeah. the hell you're going to get from? Oregon to Milwaukee and not have it be negative 35 is hopefully safely is all I dude, care about. Yeah. So I have, um, cause this is next week. There's no way it's going to go from negative 35 to like 70 all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? Like it might maybe negative so? 35 last year it was negative 27 across Montana. And then where did it get? I remember when you took a pee, I shot out of your, yeah, there was one of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I might have a driver, a co-driver for that part of the trip too, so I'm excited. And I think we're going to head south a little bit. What was the temp when you got into Milwaukee if it was... I don't remember. Yeah. Negative 27 is all that stands yeah. out. Um, That's my IQ, by the way. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's freaking... Uh, Singsime sent me some pictures today. The wind chill factor is making it negative 55. I don't see how it could make it... Oh, wait. Actually, I do because just two weeks ago we were talking to him and it was like 50 out. Remember, he's like, oh, it's been a mild winter. Yeah, right. Surprise, B. <laughs> it's so cold they canceled some ice racing. I know. That was <laughs> the ironic part to me. I was like, wow. Like yeah. bars closed in Wisconsin. Can you believe that? I, know. I think And that's cheese... how people keep warm. Yeah, so that's I know. Weird. I know. It's like a cheese factory went under this week in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I was really surprised by that. Um, the fact that you would take uh, people that depend on alcohol to keep warm and, and uh, <laughs> cut off is bad enough that you can't, you know, your pipes freeze and everything else, but now you're literally keeping yeah. your people from warm. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see. I'm, I'm, my, my how question for you is uh, how the hell are you planning on doing this when it's going to be negative? I'm, I'm going to guess if it's negative 55 this week, by the time you're up there next week, it's going to be, yeah, yeah, it's 27 degrees. How, how am I planning on making the drive? Yeah. With my heater all the way up. Okay. <laughs> it's just blowing out ice cubes, but you're all, this is warmer than outside. <laughs> I, last year when I was in Montana and I slept in my truck, I didn't shut my truck off. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't either. Keep running. Yeah, you got to. Uh, it's a good thing you have a 173 gallon tank. Uh, what's your question? Oh, I let it run when it, when I was filling it up too. Yeah. Yeah. What's your question? If you don't, it'll freeze, right? The gas will freeze. 
so cold. It will freezes. gel up, but not not just when you turn it off. But yeah, I was worried that it was going to gel up in the tank, but I don't know how that really works. I've never had a diesel in cold weather. Yeah, yeah. But it it, it was fine. I mean, Thank it God. just ran in it. I, but because usually they put a block heater on them, not a not like a gas tank heater. Yeah. So, I, but I know a lot of vehicle, like a lot of diesels. You know, if you don't have a place to plug it in, like I knew people in Indiana that just let their truck run all night. Oh yeah, you got it. Instead of plugging it in, well, you can plug them in too, but mine doesn't have a plug. Yeah, I'm sure theirs didn't either. Probably, I don't know. Yeah, if, if I lived in a place like that, I'd put in Arkansas, the pipes or you know things would freeze once in a while. We would just like uh, let the chickens out of the roost, and uh, they'd go inside under the. We shut the lid on them, and they they'd they'd sit on the motor. They just all huddle. Yeah, oh, yeah, they'd sit on the motor. They tried to hatch the motor <laughs> to keep it warm. Um, what question you got there for me? Now that I'm done saying the stupidest thing in the world, <laughs> now that I've reduced your IQ by three points. Oh, this is a good one then. Speaking of like rambling on about stupid stuff, <laughs> what is one habit you would like to stop doing? I would say I'd probably like stop wasting time rambling on <laughs> saying stupid stuff, which would probably eliminate 90% of the time in my life actually, even at work. Like I just – I can't believe that I've made a career out of um, rambling on and getting paid for it. I do that at work. Uh, I do it here on the show. I do it with my kids and I used to do it when I was younger just, uh, to pass the time. So I truly am a despicable human being that, <laughs> yeah, maybe, Hey, here's what I'm going to try to do. Cause I noticed this also, I, I, I chuckle when I'm making a, a self-deprecating joke because it, it hurts and the only way to get through it is to chuckle a little bit. And I noticed a, a person doing it the other day that I was talking to and I was like, man, they laugh a lot. And then I thought I do that too because we're trying to cover for the pain that we feel inside. So maybe I'm going to embrace the pain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <ugh. laughs> embrace the pain and only say serious <clears throat> stuff, which is going to make our podcast about 33 minutes long in the yeah. future. Um, yeah. So maybe that is something and get more organized. I could all, I, you know, I think we could all probably say that that's something we'd like to do in yeah. uh, 2019. Let's do it. I'm not one for New Year's resolutions. I believe that if you need to change something, just do it when you need to do it. But uh, for 2019, for my show resolution, I'll just say, how about that's it? I'll, I'll quit being such an a-hole. Am I doing, am I not, I'm rambling on right now. I'm going to stop. A little bit, yeah. I'm going to stop right this second. Uh, Chris, do you know what else is coming out in 2019? What's coming out? Mm-hmm. A new electric motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Aside from uh Oh, I think you sent me a link. Yeah. Well, well there's lots. actually two. Oh, there's many new electric but motorcycles. Two important ones. Two important ones. So let's get to the not important ones first. First of oh. all, the live wire. It's not not important. We spent a whole while talking with Liza about it, and, and we talked about it last week, so we won't rehash it. But it is the Dual Harley-Davidson electric motorcycle, the live wire. Uh, I actually just saw... What we didn't have last week, which was horsepower specs, 74 horsepower, I think they said, and a top speed of not quite 100 miles an hour, um, but that's okay. Combined range, 110 miles uh, range, I think they said. Um, and if you look at the old live wires, I just watched a, proto- a video from the prototype that came out. Oh, the, the mirrors on that were disgusting. The lack of that, that front cowl that they have on the actual production model looks so much better than the old just headlight on the live wire uh, uh, prototype model. So much improvement to it. But back then, the improvement is that it got like 64 
miles uh, yeah. of range. Um, and there's an interesting thing I saw on that. I watched a uh, lecture on electrics this uh, this week, and so I have something to say about that. But that thing's going to come in close to thirty thousand bucks, twenty seven seven nine nine. Um, the next Rough. thing, yeah, and I got this off from Electrek, which is a off of um, my LinkedIn. I, I'm on LinkedIn all the time, and I get stuff from all around the globe. So that's another reason why I stated at the beginning of the show that um, electric isn't just an American thing. It's actually global. Yeah. I mean, globally, it's going crazy. I so, wonder how with tiered licensing. I wonder what they're going to do. Uh, yeah, you know, because these the Energicus. Yeah, you know what? And actually, a horsepower is actually. Measured as a kilowatt, I mean, just like yeah, foot yeah. pounds and newton pounds. Um, horsepower, I is actually measured kilo is in kilowatts because the first comparisons they did against horsepower, they only converted them to like a horsepower figure later, but they kind of translated into kilowatts at first. So you you might be able to do it that way, just convert it to what's the torque and kilowatt availability. Yeah. So a couple other ones that I saw from Electrek um, that they showcase that that are making their debut or at least be, being uh, available, made available in 2019, one was the Super SoCo TC Max, and it's coming out. It's 5100 bucks, which is pretty good for an electric bike, but most electric bikes that aren't 20000 bucks. what does that mean? Kind of a bicycle. It's either a bicycle or it's only going to go like twenty miles an hour. Like yeah. electric scooters are fifty, you know, five thousand bucks. But honestly, the the pedal assist bicycles, which I think is a great way to go, electric too. Yeah. Um, but those things got to be around four or five grand too. Yeah, four or five grand. You can get a cheap one like a Saunders, and the, by cheap I mean still eight hundred bucks. But that's cheaper than like that's pretty three thousand dollars. That freaking Bull Taco. Uh, electric bike. Bull Taco, a famously old, you know, vintage uh, motorcycle brand. Now they're making electric bikes for like eight grand, but they're like electric, they're motorcycles. They're electric mm. motorcycles, but they look like mountain bikes. I mean, they're, those things are awesome. And those things, you know, are 10 grand, eight grand. Um, this one, this top speed is 62 miles an hour. The range is only 68 miles, but it literally is a, uh, they don't say what TC Max stands for, but I say, TC stands for town or city because this is just a bike. It's pretty cool. It's not a bicycle. It looks like a R9T kind of, um, or the Energica SA, which is kind of like their cafe racer. So it's really stylish and it actually looks really cool. Um, but it's literally just for around town, 62 miles an hour top speed. That's not too bad. You can get on the freeway for, um, and if you're in any other state besides, uh, California, Montana, or probably Texas where the speed limits are like 70, a lot of States, the speed limits on the freeway even are like 50, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Hawaii was like 45 or 50. Um, I know Arkansas is like 55 is the max. And so most of them are 45 and 50 because you're on yeah, r- like rural roads. forest highways. Yeah. yeah. You're on highways. So the speed limits are super low because you're going through windy trees. So 62 miles an hour ain't too bad if you only need to get on the freeway for a couple miles. Um, and it's got com- Brembo combined braking system. It's ECE approved, which is a European standard, but it's still awaiting DOT approval. But it should be ready by the uh, the middle of this year to come out. Um, the next one I have is a Long Beach based company, which is really interesting. Fly Free. 
never heard of these guys before, but they have a smart classic and a smart desert, and they're both um, sixty three hundred bucks. Well, sixty four hundred, um, and they're urban and trail only. They can only go forty miles per hour. So we're talking like literally city streets. This is like your urban scrambler, and the classic looks really cool. I mean, it really looks like an old. Um, SR 500 or like an old, uh, Norton, like it's kind of got that feather bed, like flat frame. So it kind of looks like an old CB 750 or an old Norton. Um, you know, all those ones that just have like the flat, super cool looking cafe aesthetic. And it's even got like a little cowl over the headlight and everything, but it'll only go 40 miles an hour. So we're talking literally city streets and it goes 50 miles and it does have a removable battery though, which I thought was kind of cool. You can take it out, um, swap the batteries, unlike like a zero where you have, you know, you'd have to take the bike apart. These ones just swap right out, right? So I thought that was pretty cool. And you can combine the batteries. If you use two batteries, you can go 50 miles an hour. So you must be able to hook them in series somehow. And, um, also if you hook the two batteries together, you can go a hundred miles instead of the 50. So it's kind of cool that it gives you the ability to like stack batteries. Um, I thought that was pretty cool, but literally, um, for $6,400, uh, it's just not, you know, I, I probably wouldn't buy one, even though they look really, really, really cool. Unless I lived in New York or something like that. Well, you know, by New York, I mean either like Manhattan or Long Island, somewhere that's really, really, really urban. Uh, the next one I saw was Arc Vector. And um, this thing's going for 177000 bucks. So it tells you probably that it's going to go a little faster than 60 miles an hour. But it, this is like one of those crazy designed by a former Jaguar white space um, guy. His name is Mark Truman. Um, There's only going to be 355 made. The thing can go 150 miles an hour, 2.7 second, zero to 60 time, which is the same as the Energicas have. Um, It can go 120 miles on the freeway or 170 city, which I think is better than zeros. And I think it's better than Energica, but um, it doesn't give much more specs than that. And the thing looks sick. It looks kind of like a Ducati monster that's been restyled into an electric bike. So it's really, really cool. But for 177,000 bucks, I'd rather buy, you know, slap on another 10K and buy a uh, Honda RC213V. You know what I'm saying? Um, like that's where it gets like an electric bike shouldn't really cost that much. I don't really know why they had this in there when they, they pretty much had consumer bikes listed. All of a sudden they got this crazy, you know, outlandishly priced one. Um, the zero DS. Now this is interesting because zero has been around forever and there's nothing really new about zeros, but their new lineup is going to be able to, uh, they got the DS and the DSR 14.4s. Big changes for zero is that they're, charge tanks they're going to be backward compatible for anything 15 2015 or newer so remember we were talking to the guy and like you can't go back uh 2009 to something yeah is good and then 2010 and 11 was good 2012 and 13 like they were changing stuff every couple of years so only that year was you know was compatible but the on this one it says the charge the new charge tanks for the 2019 lineup uh, the 2019 lineup got some really cool upgrades and better, um, uh, more efficient. And so these charge tanks are going to be retrofitable to the old ones so that you can kind of reap some of those benefits. Uh, they got an 8% faster speed and 35% more motor power out of the same motor. Um, 204 miles city, 97 highway, 
and when you they have a uh that's just the that's the dsr which is the dual sport and when you go into you know you start looking at their s model it gets even a better range with 223 mile city and 112 freeway and of course they got the big charge tanks and level three charging now i want to stick a pin in this eight percent faster and 35 percent more motor power because uh if you're wondering how that's even possible um the lecture that i uh listen to on electrics um kind of sums that up the next thing i want to bring out is csc csc is actually right oh shit right down the street from chris and i well down the road from us um it's a california scooter company and they got this little bike called the city slicker the city slicker looks like an electric grom it is basically an electric grom ripoff and uh this thing is only 2500 bucks it goes 46 miles an hour has a 30 mile range or if you drop down to like 25 30 mile, uh, miles an hour you can go somewhere around 50 or 60 miles and it is gromtastic now this thing um 46 miles an hour isn't going to blow anybody's hair off but when you're riding around town i don't know about you but i don't know how many times you get up to 50 you know how or you know 50 40 50 around town usually traffic's going like if it's in LA if you're not going stopped you're going, you know, eh, 35, 40 maybe. So this is a perfect bike for somebody that just wants to rip around town. Of course, it's not freeway legal, but I don't think Groms are either. And so you're just cruising around city streets. Um, and if you're obeying the speed limits, you're probably not going to need to hit up close to 50 miles an hour. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And for only 2500 bucks, it's a cool way to get into Grom territory uh, for something that's rechargeable and it has zero maintenance except for new tires and brake pads. You know what I'm saying? There's no oils, no gases, no uh, valve clearances that you have to check. None of that great stuff. You don't have to worry about this new law that's putting motorcyclists in jail for loud exhausts. <laughs> None of that stuff. But um, yeah, we, we talked a little bit and I had talked with Liza uh, earlier today about two of the most significant bikes that are coming out. Ducati has announced their electric um, motorbike is going to be coming out. Energica is from Italy, and there's a few other um, Italian brands that are super small because they're electric only that nobody knows about that are making electric stuff. But when Ducati comes out and says it, who is a super niche, super sexy, um, it's like Ferrari saying they're going to build an electric car. You know what I'm saying? So when Ducati comes out and says it, that's one thing. But the biggest news to me is California's own Lightning uh, announced the Lightning Strike. And that thing's a whopper. I'm going to have to grab my phone because I don't have this on the notes. This was like on the fly today that I was uh, yakking with Chris about it. Um, the stats for this thing are amazing. It's going to be a, it's going to go 150 miles an hour, supposedly. And it's going to have a 35-minute quick charge time. And it's going to be uh, – has DC fast charging. Um, it's basically going to be – uh, thirteen, just under thirteen thousand dollars. So we're talking about R one power for sub R six uh, price, basically. You know what I'm saying? And um, if you're not familiar with Lightning, they have this thing called the LS two eighteen, which you can buy for forty thousand bucks right now, which is their electric bike that they go racing with. They've broken land speed records with it. They've raced the Isle of Man with it. Um, they race the TTX GP every year with it, and that thing. The LS218 comes from the fact that it goes 218 miles per hour. That's their fastest top speed they recorded um, and the at uh, Bonneville. And so they've been making bikes 
since 20, 2006 ish. So they're, they've been around for a little over a decade. And this new bike, uh, top speed of 150, featuring a range of 150 miles, um, is going to be revealed in March. So for the, for this company to take pre-orders now, and they have a carbon version, when you're, when we're talking Energicas are, are in our price range and zeros because they are $20,000, like, and that's still pretty expensive. You look at this thing, and it's cheaper than an R1. It's cheaper than a CBR 1000RR. It's cheaper than an SR 1000R or an S1000RR from BMW. When you're coming in cheaper than a leader bike, but you still have close to leader bike power, um, that says something. And that tells me that uh, if Lightning can do this, and for I don't know how they're doing it, um, but if they can do this sort of stuff, like look out. It's gonna it's gonna drive Energica's prices down, hopefully, um, and it's gonna make Harley re you know reconsider what they're doing with the live like with the live wire. Is it just gonna be for dudes that would regularly pay forty thousand bucks for a CVO anyway, or is this really gonna be a consumer bike? Because a twelve thousand dollar price for a bike that can go one hundred and fifty miles uh, range that's consumer bike to me. Even Bry Viffer's bike, the VFR here. It can do 200 on a tank, but that's pushing it. You know what I'm saying? Like it yeah. can go through t- gas really fast if you're on it. And, or, or if you're just kind of cruising, you know, you can get 150, 200 miles easy. But, um, you know, not much. Even like, I don't know what your Ducati or your RC51 specs were, but I mean, they, they don't get, they get what, 40, 40 miles to the gallon? Oh, uh, it's been so long since I figured it on one of those. Um, my duck was – or my uh, RC, I think, last time I figured it. But that was Canyon was down into the 20s, maybe below that actually. Yeah. But it's a little over 100 miles a tank, and I, I don't even know how big the tank is. Yeah. So, I mean, we're looking at the same sort of capacity then through – You don't really buy an RC51 and worry about the yeah. miles per gallon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know what? I'm sure you're not going to go – 150 miles an hour for 150 miles that's impossible on a gas or electric but the fact that they have some sort of uh, and i don't know if that's mixed that you know we'll find out in march when the strike comes out but that pricing like dude that's really that's good really pricing. low zeros even for what you're getting and the price is a little high yeah but um i mean actually if you look at motorcycles in general the prices are going up a little bit even a freaking 250 dirt bike for your kid costs like are, eight but- grand that crf 450l that we were talking about the other day i looked at it because i was trying oh yeah what is almost uh, i think it is 10 grand if it's if it's not yeah. 10 grand it's just shy and um so dude 10 grand for a freaking 450 dirt bike that you can ride on the yeah. street so 12 grand for an actual cool looking sport bike i know lightnings if you if you look at their bikes now you know they're not going to look like a zero, you know they're not. They're going to look really good. Yeah, and with Energica's prices coming down too, and them having good looking bikes, like companies like Zero aren't going to be able to hang with that. Yeah, like there's just the look and the the performance of those bikes for that price. When you're the only one, it's fine. But now that you have competition, it's it's not going to be. It's not going to cut it. Yeah, and and you know, I know you don't like the look of Zeros, and when I look at them, they look okay to me, but. If you start nitpicking, and even uh, somebody that was riding one, um, riding the Harley Davidson from a couple of years, the the uh, video I saw that was of the Live Wire prototype in 2014 or 15, was even talking about zeros and how they are not um, 
and even a guy in Australia, that's what I was watching, this guy in Australia riding a Zero. And the Zero looked fine parked there, but then, yeah, you start looking at it, and he's like, you know, there's nothing really sexy about this bike. There's nothing that sells. Like yeah, not you, at all. When I, the very first time I saw like a Ducati 848 or whatever, I was like, my mind was blown. Even MVs, you know, seeing just some some designs on stuff, you just see it. And or even an Aprilia, you know, you're not. I'm not into those bikes, but when I see a certain model, I don't even know what it was. I saw it and I was like, triple take. And then you read the tank and you're like, wow, that's an MV, whatever, or that's a Tuono, you know. But I think Energica has done that, and Energica has, you know, even Harley's done that. I, I think their styling is way different. Where I think kind of the good and kind of the bad. I don't know how you want to view it where I think Energica looks like a normal motorcycle, right? It passed that they all have two wheels, but I mean, it looks like what you think a naked bike and a sport bike look like yeah. where I think the Harley Livewire doesn't. Yeah. Right. They really mixed it up, but they, yeah. it, they still look good. It looks like a, a, a kind of, yeah. They where did- zero looks like they put a box in it. it it's got yeah. this big plastic box and it, with a, like, Let's tape a couple pieces of bodywork on it to cover up the refrigerator. Yeah, it. and even though I really like Zeros, the Bramo and uh, what was the Bramo called? The Bramo in inertia—that's what it was called. It had a big round headlight, and it kind of looked like you were riding a briefcase, and it was all smooth. But they yeah. wanted it to look different. They didn't. This is back when electrics were first coming out, and they wanted to stand out. It looked like a little yeah. cafe racer. And you know, custom that you would see I've nowadays on some, bike XIF. Or yeah, something. I've seen some that kind of do look like a briefcase where they kind of embrace that. Just to me, Zero hasn't even embraced that yeah. look. It's like it's there. They're trying? Yeah. And they wanted to hide it, but they didn't. But where, yeah, like, and they also didn't embrace it. Like, yeah. it, it's. They didn't know what to do. Yeah. I think with Zero, I mean, I and I still like Zeros. I've seen some riding and I I went, oh, man, that's somebody on a Zero. You don't see that every day. And the fact that they sold, according to sales figures, 750 motorcycles last year, the ones I'm seeing obviously aren't from last year. But uh, somebody – people around here in SoCal are buying them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I've seen them in the wild. I've seen a few in the wild. And it's kind of cool because they're not totally trashy, ugly, but I, I, I yeah. do see what you're saying. Like when you start looking at the details, they're not being sexy where you know brands like Lightning, they already making a race bike that yeah. competes against other bikes and it looks the part. And you know, good. And they prove the part on the yeah. race track and on the proving grounds. <clears throat> they're not I, – I, when I describe them that way, it sounds really bad. They're not that bad, but it, if every electric bike coming out was that bad then mm-hmm. you wouldn't think about it but because we're seeing electric bikes roll out that are a lot better it's like oh okay. that's the thing that's, with lightning with the looks the aesthetics yeah, the lightnings look great dude and the, those price points i think it's going to set the future market and i think it's going to get to the point now where people are like oh i guess electric isn't that bad like for yeah. that price i guess i would consider one yeah i can get an r6 or 150 horsepower electric bike for the, roughly yeah. the same price and i don't have to get the r1 now because like you know what i'm yeah. saying like I, I it has more horsepower than an r6 but it's cheaper than an r1 and the cbrs Plus are even maintenance, more so much maintenance drops away from it too and you know i when, was yeah i, I don't want to cut you off yeah oh, continue you're fine. With that when we i probably kind of jumped in anyway when we rode them like i said if you're commuting every day i'd highly recommend oh, going yeah. and getting one yeah. the downside that i also said was when other companies come to market, it's not going to be hard 
to beat zeros with the styling and hopefully with the price. And look what's happening a year, year and a half later. Is that's exactly what's happening. Is there's bikes coming in that look better and the price points there, and they some of them are performing better. I still say if you're commuting every day, an electric bike's going to pay for itself. Uh, pretty much. So the cool part about the Lightning, especially if they have one with bars on it instead of clip-ons, that's a little more comfortable. Is you know it might be a good option to commute every day. It might save you a few bucks. It might pay for itself still. Um, you could still take it to a track day and not would, be foolish. Yeah, it would still be a damn fun bike to go out and ride because you still got a ton of power. So you've got kind of the best of both worlds instead of lacking a little bit. And then it also looks good. And, you know, there's something, you know, when you're on a motorcycle, you don't think about how it looks, mm-hmm. right? But when you're walking up to it, you do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't know. like, And when you see one parked in a parking lot and you're, you're looking at it and you're like, yeah, that you're either like, ooh, what is that? Or you're mm-hmm. like, ugh, what is that? You or, know? or, yeah, you're going to be envious all the time of every other bike yeah. out there. Like, yeah. I would, right now in this market and, and, and knowing what's... Oh well, well the card full, the card was full. I I got lost in mid thought there, Wigs. So on that, let's wrap up the show. I think what we're trying to say is that uh, you know don't buy a don't buy a uh, an electric bike now and then in six months regret it because a whole bunch of great stuff is coming down the pipes. I mean, you know, if you're in the market for one, you're in the market for one. Um, you can always sell it and buy a new one, right? Well, and like, I like a regular motorcycle. I don't want to discourage like going out and buying a new bike because what if? Because if that were the case, no one would ever buy a new bike. Yeah. Because what's going to come out next year? Well, that, yeah. you know, it's just then we would never have that that momentum and that moving forward. Yeah. But you would never have guys like uh, you know. I know people that my coworker that goes through a bike every other year. It seems like, you know, like we would never have those guys if they're waiting to buy the perfect bike. And I don't know. I, I, I definitely, it's not even just an opinion, but definitely electric is coming. It's getting proven time and time again with more manufacturers and more bikes at better price points, better performing bikes, better looking bikes. It's definitely going to happen. Um, and is happening, you know, um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm for one, I'm excited to see what's out there. You know, it's, they're hitting the racetrack. Um, they're hitting the streets, you know, it's, it's one, it's inevitable, but two, I feel like there's so much more potential with it. And I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. Cause I wonder, you know, with motorcycles, I guess it's a little bit different, but look at supercars, look at the LaFerrari, look at a lot of the, or some of the Porsches, look at some of the McLarens. I mean, how many of them are hybrids? Um, because that's faster, you know, not that I guess a two wheel drive bike is that common, but what if you could do a hybrid, whether it was the, the rear wheel had a boost of power, or whether it was a front wheel that pulled, you know, whether it pulled out of the corner um, on a, or up a hill on a dirt bike or something when you're losing traction. Like, so I think there's that avenue that would be interesting. Um, and just electric bikes in general, they just keep getting better, keep getting faster. So it'll be neat to see, you know, what all happens. The car world, I feel like, has embraced it. And yeah, you know, we're going to have to. That's the thing. <laughs> as, and as more, um, you know, as more 
com- countries are driven off the automotive industry and what's accepted and what's legislated. Um, they're going to be, I mean, car companies are right now going into all electric. Oh, before we end the show, the little pin I wanted to put in the electric thing, how can zero get more energy? How can, how can they get more motor power out of the same motors this year? I was listening to this, uh, lecture and Moore's law was like back in the sixties, this dude, I forget his name. It wasn't Roger Moore. That was uh, James Bond, but he, he worked at Intel back in the 1960s and on silicone chip technology, um, you could get uh, every eighteen months the the what is the the density of of components uh, would double on silicone chips, and that's why your old computer that was a hundred it was sixty four bytes. Yeah. Now that note that document that word document I sent to you is probably a hundred bytes. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that word document or a picture that you take for Instagram has more information than whole computers used to have in the eighties. Yeah. Ni- well, I mean, think you know I. I've been buying thumb drives for roughly 15 or so years, right? I don't know the last time I bought one, but I know that every time I've bought them, they've been roughly $20 and they've doubled every time I bought yeah. it. So he and was where you can go out, you can buy a micro SD now with Oh yeah, more gigabytes 120 than, gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember when it was 120 megs and you put like two word documents on it. Yeah. I remember my first MP3 player like headset thing held like six songs or eight songs oh, yeah. or something like that. You were like, finally I don't have to carry my walk. Yeah, dude, me. it was so rad. And now it's like I can have my phone with thousands of pictures and hundreds of videos and hundreds of songs. Yeah. Like it's crazy. And it's you know, the I think that kind of goes back to what I was saying about like the improving and where electric bikes are gonna take us. Um, you know, like if, if it's, if that's even a glimpse of what that'll do, I, I think it's exciting. Yeah. And a couple of years ago they announced, oh, we're working on this new battery, this new battery, battery technology in contrast only doubles about every 10 years where the chips double every 18 months. So what they're doing is they're taking these, the chip components, the control of the battery, how we manipulate and you know, how we use the batteries they're still developing batteries to be more efficient and like more power density. And that's, you know, they went into the whole thing of power density and gas versus battery and even gas being like way less efficient. It's just more dense. And so that's why you can get further on gas. But the fact that they're making these advancements, so many advancements with chip technology allows them to use that 18 month, um, basically doubling of components and doubling of, of uh, being able to manipulate this battery power that's taking so long to get like better components and well, batteries. I mean, in a way, you know, that chip technology doubling every 18 months, look what it's done for the efficiency and the power output of a gasoline engine. Mm-hmm. You know, you can now buy for under 10 grand a motorcycle on the showroom floor that has ride modes Mm -hmm. you can tell it oh it's raining oh i'm going to the track oh i want to be sporty today or oh i want to save fuel yeah um you know and it it reads different things on the bike and adjust it with an internal combustion engine that typically we're like well it's either lean or it's rich or you know i guess we couldn't really adjust the timing on the fly that much yeah the but it can so yeah. that's that's with the with the battery that's where they've got away with it is that on a motorcycle that's a combustion engine 
the changes that you make have to be mechanical because the heat and the combustion only puts out X amount of power. So you have to find they've, we've already used maps and tuning to get every little inch of it out. Yeah. But with the batteries, the more efficient they can do something or even recharge to get more distance or yeah. like eke out more power through the controllers and you won't loop it. Like it's just making the electric world so much more exciting than the gas world because we've gone as pretty as far as we can go pretty much with the properties and the physics of an internal combustion engine, but they're still manipulating battery technology to get 8% more power than last year and 35% more engine or motor power. What um, motor power. So you kind of talked about the chip doubling in capacity and the battery, how long it takes to double in capacity. What about the electric motors? Cause I feel like part of the problem I think, and I, I believe electric cars and electric bikes have helped this a lot and will continue to help it. But one, like electric motors haven't changed very much in a long time because they haven't needed to. Because most electric motors are like your drill press right here. Yeah. Like they don't need to be light. They really don't need to be that efficient. They need to make enough torque and enough power to turn that drill bit and that's it. Um, but cordless drills have gotten a lot better. Uh, RC cars have gotten a lot better. Um, you know, it's to the point now where there's no point in buying a gasoline RC car. It's actually been for a few years because with the battery technology and the brushless motors, the electric ones are faster. Yeah. So yeah, basically the properties of electricity are like the property, you know, any other property, mathematical property, they, they haven't changed in the last hundred years. Yeah, The electricity and the, I was going to say the magnets, but you know what? We're, we're able to make better magnets yeah. too. Yeah. What's happened is that you, we're manipulating them better. Yeah. We're manipulating and them even, more And even, you know, tr- a traditional armature brush motor is copper wire, you know, wrapped around, you know, basically a steel armature or side of it. But, and I'm not real sure how the brush list changes that, but I wonder, you know, if... It, we can make better copper wire or a different wire or whatever. But yeah, you're right. The The properties of the electricity is not really going to change, but we can learn more about it. Yeah. You know, just like in a way, fuel injection and the, the controllers of our fuel injection. Like we were able to take that same gasoline, which I'm sure we've made improvements on in the last hundred years, but and yeah. kind of get more out of it. And electric's going to, the same thing's going to happen. The more demand for it, the more money getting fed into the industry, the better it's going to be. Yeah. Because we might, hopefully we don't totally kill the gasoline car. Although if someone wants to convert my Plymouth to electric, I'm, I'm pretty well all about There's it. There's people that do that. <laughs> convert old cars to I just, electric. I don't sure. pay for it. But, yeah. um, but you know, with that happening, like people are still going to want fast cars. Like, and you look at the Tesla Roadster, the Porsche that's supposed to come out, like those things haul ass. Yeah. Look at the, the T80 Porsche. Have you ever watched, or the Porsche Tesla, have you ever watched the YouTube videos of the guy that street races it? He's got one that's fully gutted and he street races, like outlaw street races, these cars and smokes them. Yeah. It's pretty insane. You know, it's a family four door car. Yeah. Um it's just, just blowing yeah, yeah, blowing people's lives. And they have their downfalls, but that will eventually get fixed. Like they're you know Yeah. Well the more people and, and Bob Lutz was the focus of uh one of those documentaries I sent you. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but the Revenge of the Electric Car. Bob Lutz, who was a I saw huge, that one a while ago anyway. Huge gearhead and huge petrol head. Uh 
was solely in charge of GM going forward with their whole electric car project. And for a gas guy that's been a gas guy since like the 50s, I mean, he was like behind so many things at GM. He worked at Mopar for a while and he worked at, I mean, he's worked at the big, every big three, I think. Maybe he didn't work at Ford, but he was behind muscle cars in the yeah. 70s. He's been, the guy's old, you know, and, and now he's like, I'm behind electric now. Like I see, he for people to see what's coming down the pipes and if not through, I mean, I don't want this to be like the, we, you know, all electric thing, but it was just to, to see all this stuff just this week pop out and then see two documentaries uh, this week. Like I just had electric on the brain and it made me think like 2019, this is the year where even Harley Davidson's making a huge change. Yeah. So, hey, on that note, man, it's uh, we're probably done here and we already had a, a one card failure. We're asking for a second. Um, you got any cool, uh, cool things coming up? You got any rad sign offs for anybody? No cool sign-offs. I'm sure I got some cool stuff coming up. You got the Mama, so Mama check, Tried One yeah, Show coming if up. You guys are, I don't know how much I'll be at the One Show, but I think I'm going to hang out in Portland on Sunday and not leave uh, Portland for Milwaukee until Monday unless I don't pick up an extra driver then I might leave Sunday morning because I'm going to try to swing down through Des Moines, Iowa, stop at Kung Fu Tap and Taco. Oh, yeah. Um, hopefully with a little extra time this year. And then, yeah, so the one show, maybe the club show or club race on Friday, the, definitely the one show on Saturday, and then cruising over to Flat Out Friday and Mama Tried, and I will be set up on Saturday selling knives at Mama Tried, and probably start driving back on Sunday, so... Got a full, see. full week, dude. And it, Almost two weeks. While yeah. you're in there, check out the number two show, February 29th at the Flying 15 Clubhouse, Portland, Oregon. Um, also... Is there really a show the week after they call the number two show? Yeah. It's put on by a racer. Like, I think probably some of the racers up there in the Omra, Omra series. Um, also, February 24th, the Vintage Motorcycle Swap Meet here um, in uh, 4537 Huntington Drive. And uh, that's going to put on by the Cretans, which is going to be pretty cool. March 22nd, War of the Twins. I'm sure the Winter Vortex will be out of here by then. So I would check that baby out. And, of course, not only the one show, but the one race and all that great stuff. The OG Moto Show is coming up. Our buddies at Atlantis Motor Garage, I've said this now for the past few weeks, um, Sunday, February 10th from 11 to 4, they're having their re-grand opening. And the Outliers Guild show is going to be coming March 23rd here. This is like the third year of it. Mm, yeah, third year, I think. Um, so check that out. And then you, are you rescheduling the uh, veggie plate at all? Um, I think they were trying to... So we didn't reschedule it for this weekend, but there's a race this weekend. Um, looks like it might get rained out again. Yeah, uh, yeah. The SoCal, you're going to be having... Uh, rain this whole week hey listen to this too the california republic san andreas 300 uh dual sport and adventure challenge happened in april 12th through 14th you want to take trusty and spam on that where's that at where's it starting to Bollinger canyon and back i don't know where that is so. exactly we'll we'll figure it out and we'll uh 300 miles uh san andreas 300 so i'm guessing yeah that's further than barstow to vegas isn't it no, it's like probably two, 200 not. miles a day, I think, personally. Yeah, Vegas, yeah, because so. I was going to say Vegas is 450 miles from here. So, yeah, we'll check it out. But, uh, but yeah, you got any cool significant sign-offs that you want anybody in the universe out there listening to here? Uh.